Welcome to The Old World Lives, a Warhammer Fantasy Battles podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The Old World Lives, on Instagram at The Old World Lives, and you can reach us by email at theoldworldlives at gmail.com. And now, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 12 of The Old World Lives podcast. I'm Christopher and I'm going to host you tonight as pretty much usual. And with me I have another Christopher. Here I am. Hey, Back Jimmy. Hello. And a Jens. Yeah. So, no Nicholas for this one, but he'll be he's in the episode later on, which you will hear in the main segment, which will have a nice interview with an event organizer and, uh, well, a bit of a talk about events itself. Yeah, and it's a really good lesson to learn if, in case you're curious of hosting your own events or where to start or where to pick it up. We get a lot of really good tangible startups, like good tangible ideas on where to get started and how to get a locale and just engaging your local community. Yeah, and the event in question was a return to 6th edition event hosted in London in the beginning of March, I think it was. Yeah, it was. And I mean, he could have just called it the best edition of Warhammer Fantasy, uh, but he's very humble about it. I mean, there's... He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Yeah, there's no shadhammer there. So, what have people been up to since it was quite a while since I see that our last episode was released on the 26th of February? Do anyone have any hobby updates? Feel free I to just pick up. I have painted five pistoliers. Ooh. And glued some other stuff nice. to, uh, to bases. Yourself? So. Oh, yeah. So uh, glued some other stuff to bases, so I'll do seven more tutoring guards and a small uh, detachment of free company fighters. And then I'm, I think I'm up to 1750 or 1500. Can't remember, probably 1500. Fair enough. That's at least some progress. And that's what we're going to talk about in a little bit. You, your progress so far has been really great. And uh, you've got a nice looking force as it is. Yeah, getting stuff done. Jimmy, what do you do? What don't I do? Uh, yet again, I'm uh, I'm scraping mold lines from night goblins because I'm building this huge ass army for a battle in May, I think, uh, a historical battle in uh, in the Karak Eight Peaks with dwarves, night goblins, and Skaven. So I'm gonna build and paint a lot of squigs and night goblins. Also, I got my hands on some nice things an untouched box of Middenheim Siege Defenders from 6th edition from the Campaign of Storm of Chaos. Wow. Yeah, Amazing that's pretty cool. things. That's, uh, for our listeners, that's the entire army box they released, right? Yeah, with uh, two boxes of uh, Knightly Orders, uh, one box of 20, what's it called, uh, the Militia, and uh, 20 state troopers, along with a limited edition battle standard bearer, 22 Togen guard with full command, and the uh, White Wolf Templar Grandmaster. Wow. Oh, uh, that is some hot forget. stuff. Uh, also, a cannon slash mortar, depending on what I want to build. Not bad at all. So, Jens isn't going to be the only Middenheimer slash Middenland player here. Well, the more the merrier. Together, we oh, yeah. can stop the Hordes of Chaos. Together, we can stop them in 2020 in the Storm of Chaos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, combined with my upcoming Slayer Cult, which I have. Yeah! I really, really need to paint, because it's my second iteration of it, and the last one I painted was in, let's see, 
when was it? So in case it was in 2001, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. so. 2001. Quite a while ago, so to speak. Yeah, but you have a lot of things from there, right? You have like the Goblin Hewer and you have the Slayers. Do you have Long John Drong? Yeah, I have a Long Drong and some Slayer Pirates. I need to get some more to get a larger unit. I have Ungrim Iron Fist. I got Gargrim Iron Fist. I got a lot of Doom Seekers and I got the one Goblin Hewer because that's all you can take, sadly. Now we basically just need to find someone with a lot of chaos, right? Yeah, that seems to be pretty hard to find. But, uh, Krell, are you working on some, some Beastmen, perhaps? Uh, pff, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know where you've heard. I, I, I might. There's, I don't know. there's what? rumors. There's rumors, and you told us that you wanted Beastmen. <laughs> yeah, it's the surreptitious <laughs> rumors and the discreet fact that I joined Beastmen Warhammer Fantasy Battles and that I've asked you guys, um, hey, just casually, um, how do I base my, like, gores on 25 millimeters? And Jim's like, well, you can do it. I'm like, uh, no, it's impossible. And you ask me, why? Have you tried? Uh, no, 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 uh, my friend is. So, yeah. I just recently picked up The Beast of Chaos, the sixth dead book, alongside the Undead fourth edition book, as well as the Skaven sixth edition book, apparently, and a couple of other sixth edition beautiful hordes of lore. So I'm sort of working on some semi secret chaos shit. But recently, what I finished was a Banshee, the old eighth edition, I think eighth edition, Jimmy, seventh, eighth edition, the new uh, one. Is it the plastic? Yeah, the, the plastic one. I think it was 7th edition. Might yeah. be 8th. Not sure. Oh, thanks. Because I, I keep forgetting. Undead got a lot of things in 7th edition, but also yeah. in 8th edition. But So I finished up that uh, just in time for a battle that we had in Chavle that we're going to be covering later. And I was convinced it would do jack shit because they're very bad in 6th edition. They have like a very short howl and they can't fight and they just crumble in combat. And they also did a new, I think it's their old Reaper Bones vampire. It looks very like to the Von Karstein molds. So it's got like a billowing cloak and a magically enchanted, magically enchanted blade. And also when I painted him, I noticed he had a roguish shirt that unbuttoned down just beneath his pel- just beneath his chest. So he had like mm. an open shirt. So look forward Sexy. to that cosplay. I actually <laughs> painted some white hairs on his chest. I'm just happy none of you picked him up and checked him because it looks really bad. So now we're going to do that next time we, we see you. <laughs> oh, yeah. As long yeah. as you don't find my online uh, Font Karstein fanfics, I've said too much. Uh, beyond that, <laughs> uh, just stripping some old models. I'm trying to do some sort of Warhammer project with stuff I already own, but it's super hard. At least in 6th edition, you can just use like 30 models. But if we were going to play 8th edition, I'd need to come up with some magical way of making unit fillers. So that's what I've been up to. Dude, you have the easiest way to make unit fillers. Skeletons? You could use the terrain kits from the uh, Gardens of Mor. Yeah, but I'm getting like deterred because we posted one of my unit fillers from our battle. And Tim uh, saw the graveyard I did, which I think is like the super huge base. The one that has like <laughs> yeah, more yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, you know, that's just open ground. I think that's why he was like, "That's no unit filler." Because... I think isn't there a company that makes like zombies and skeletons coming out of the ground? That yeah, there is a unit filler or back back row or something. No, I've checked it out, and it's it just uh, since. 
I realized the last time we played that I keep raising, for some reason, a tremendous amount of skeletons. I just threw together a lot of big unit fillers. And in one of the games I had against Jens, I really needed that. So just, I think at one point, it was just one unit filler connected to a different unit filler with like 10 <laughs> to 15 skeletons in front. Jens was just trying to salt the earth before my skeletons could rise, just feverishly hacking at the dirt. I tried. I tried so hard. <laughs> Poor swordsmen. They've trained their entire life for this. But no spoiling there. What else do we have, Chris? Anything new in the community? Well, no. could do my hobby progress. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, yeah, sorry, exactly, sorry. Because it's, it's, it starts to get like I never get to do it. It's poor me. Hmm. Since the time of the Sundering, we have been besieged and embattled people. Our cursed Dark Elf cousins are bent on nothing short of complete dominion over us, and their treacherous leader, Malekith, will not rest until he sits on the Phoenix throne. To repel this unending barrage of piracy and raids, we must train constantly for war and remember the Golden Age before this hellish time of strife. So obviously I'm doing Dark Elves. Oh, I thought you were doing High Elves. Or Wood Elves. Or any kind of Elf. It's not like I have... Both the sixth and eighth Ed High Elf book in my hand as we speak. <laughs> with Storm of Magic, curse you magic players. I'm I'm kinda curious. Why do you mispronounce Malikith? It's pronounced the one and only Phoenix King. Yea and Lore of Eternity, he who shall wield the flames of Azuriam. He was never the Phoenix King. And yeah, times doesn't that really count. Happened. That that shit never happened. Where are we drawing the line here? <laughs> Because I, I really want to play Beastmen and Demons and Chaos Warriors, so That's, I need to know. Yeah. Hashtag not my Phoenix King. Ha- hashtag play 6th edition. There you can do it. End of story. Well, yeah. Beasts of Chaos is 6th edition, and this is when they split everything, so... In 6th edition, you can use the Hordes of Chaos and Beasts of Chaos books together. It's in the books, man. Holy yeah. shit, these old centigors look bad. It's like the first genuinely ugly sculpt. Sorry, sorry. It's, it's, just it's the only Centigore sculpt we ever had. But those feet, yep. it just looks like they took a Sheeta's claws and then made it part of a giant bull. What the hell? Well, Chris, what, what kind of uh, Dark Elf units have you been playing around with? Tell us. Well, this lovely Dark Elf unit called a Lore Master is what I'm currently working on. Oh. <laughs> and uh, not the upgrade from... Uh, the six dead book, book, which basically makes you a level one wizard, and if you put any armor on it, you can't cast spells anymore. But uh, other than that, I've been working on a lot of Dark Riders. Yeah. Nice, because you bought a box, and uh, I, I, got, I got three now. Ooh. Nice. So many Dark Riders. Yeah, I got the last two ones that uh, Games Workshop Stockholm had as well when I was in Stockholm. Hashtag Cavalry Hammer. Oh, guys, speaking about boxes. I found another box of start collecting green skins. There's still one Ooh. out there that I need to get. <laughs> how? Dude, how? It's waiting in Uppsala. They just keep on popping up. Fair enough. And if anyone's interested, there's one of the engineer character from the dwarves and the Belagor Iron Fist, Iron Hammer, whatever it's called, from the from the dwarves as well. And another lore master still left in the shop in my town. If anyone wants them. Did you know if they have any Beastmen? Those are the only ones they have left, sadly. They also have several more copies of Storm of of Magic, and no one needs that. If anyone is lounging around in Australia, just, you know, popping on by to Eskistuna, we'll hold it for you. 
Can you can also probably get like a seventh ed dark elf uh, army book or something like that? Let's get on some news because otherwise we just ramble on. Uh, there's a new line of books from Black Library, which is the Warhammer Horror Collection. And uh, there's a reprint of a fantasy book in that line. Ooh, do tell which one. I think Krell knows a lot about this one. Genevieve du Dudon. And for those of you who don't know, Genevieve was the first couple of books that Kim Newman, who later went on to do Anno Dracula and The Hounds of Baskerville. And he's a really good offer with a lot under his belt, but he started out as a Black Library offer during a different pseudonym. And it's yeah, that was uh, Jack Geoville. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jack Geoville was his artist name, which is also a slight reference actually to, I believe, Jane Austen, who also wrote during a pseudonym. Uh, anyway, uh, basically it is, <laughs> they're good books, but I should probably tell you, if you like the Vampire Lords from 6th to 7th edition, it's a lot of contradictory information about vampires in there. Like vampires just walking down the streets and being beloved by the people. It is a 14-year-old Bretonian peasant girl who gets turned into a vampire and then has amazing magical kung fu adventures. And that's not me joking with you. She wow. knows kung fu. And she is also involved with a certain playwright in the Empire. Yes, a very prolific playwright who writes a lot of good stuff. No, but... Well, at least so they claim. They don't really have that much to compare to. <laughs> no. no, but I mean, it's a good insight into both the sort of cultural stage that you rarely see centered around the Empire's accomplishments. And you get to acquaint yourself with some parts of the nobility and the electoral council parts. And it's also sort of, it's a good ground level insight into a lot of functionings and workings of the Empire. Uh, you have a lot of different books. I don't know if you're going to reprint all of them, but the main part is initially Drachenfels which is basically about Chris, Jimmy helping out you two Jens. Was Drakenfels like retconned out or just made less important in later editions? Because No, it, it's still pretty important, right? I mean, it's in, uh, isn't so... it in, uh, at least in uh, Total Warhammer, it's a uh, starting position for some vampire counts, I think. No, I mean like the mage Drakenfels, because I had to check oh, out the okay. like in the second edition Warhammer Fantasy mm -hmm. Battles. He was a great mage who lived when the Slan arrived. Oh, oh, never heard of him. Well, well, uh, Drachenfels is still important in Warhammer End Times Vermintide because there's a DLC version where you play in the castle, killing vermin. Yeah, I think the the story storyline has been changed a bit since uh, second edition, so to speak. Yeah, because this book takes place a bit after that was changed as well, and then I think it was changed again just because. It has to fit the evolving lore. Yeah, and the fact that can... time moves on. Yeah, basically. I mean, time moved on. And as we've discussed except, before in extension... Except it does not move on in the old world. Well, it lives. Old world lives. It breathes yes. and changes. Uh, but basically, if you ever liked Warhammer Fantasy Battles or Warhammer Fantasy role-playing games, I think that these are great for lore and flavoring. Because you get a more traditional dungeon crawl with a pleasant band of merry adventurers and you get really, really cool character introductions and everybody has something to join. And then you have sort of more of urban horror, drawing inspiration from later iterations of Newman's work. And then later after that, you get the sort of whodunit mystery drama among vampires. And it just shows the complete ennui and disinterest you gain for the world when you've lived for 250 years. 
So I would give it five severed heads out of ten. Ah, seven severed heads out of ten. I'd really recommend them. I think everybody's five, read Genevieve. Five out of seven heads. Yes, five out of seven. Uh, I think everybody's ever read them would heartily recommend them. I mean, Chris, you've read them, right? Yeah, and they give another view than the back, the battle books and army books gives for how it is to live in the world as well, to get a deeper understanding of the world itself. Yeah, no, that's perfectly said. And there's another book that's released in April, and that is uh, The Warlords of Karak Eight Peaks uh, Omnibus, which uh, contains... Uh, interesting. It contains Skarsnik and Headtaker and Thorgrim, uh, the Karagdurak Grudge and the King of Black Crag. With, and those are all of by Guy Haley or David Geimer, those books. And that's released on the 6th of April, which is quite nice. So, And it's also relevant to certain peoples that are going to have a Karak Eight Peaks battle. Yeah. Although I've been told not to read the Skarsnik book because there's like a tribe of goblins called the Backdoor Gits. I mean, like, oh come on. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> this can't be true. And I checked it up and it's like, yeah, this is true. So I, I, I don't think I can read that one seriously. Well, you don't really have to. Well, can. this is true. one of the, it's a Chronicles, that's a World War Chronicles omnibus. Which joins the line of well, the Signar omnibus, the Witch Hunter omnibus, the Sundering omnibus, and Nagash, and all of those. So it's a collection of quite good books, usually. Even though you can't really support Malekith if you read the Sundering, that's all I say. Is he a dick in those, or is it like a political move? He's a combination of a good general and a good warrior combined with Anakin from the prequels. So uh, does he pod race a lot? No, sadly not pod racing, but they do ride a dragon sometimes. Ooh. And he also I mean, whines so much and complains and what? whines and oh, it just takes you out of it so much. And so as someone who doesn't know a lot about the Dark Elves, I'm I'm actually kind of interested in it because I know that his backstory and sort of motivations has changed over the editions, but I don't really know how they'd characterize him. So I'd actually want to read about this. It sounds to me, it sounds relevant. Well, it's still a decent book, and you get to know a lot about that era before the Sundering and after the Sundering. Uh, the second book in the series is uh, about Alithanar, the Shadow King, and the third book is about Imric, the one that becomes King Calidor, I think it is. Is he the last dragon rider? No. That's okay, a different sorry. Imric. Yeah, that, that's Imric, the prince that is more or less alive in sixth edition. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm not racist, but all elf names sound the same to me. Awkward silence. I might be checking if he's actually in the Aethered book. Other than the books, there's some kind of Chaos Skirmish game coming out, I think. Warcry! Yeah. I'm gonna look into that kind of terrain. It looks sweet. Yeah, it looks like it's gonna be uh, the new Age of Sigmar Mordheim-style skirmish game. But uh, might I'm, be useful for I'm, terrain. Yeah, and uh, if I like the rule set, I'm possibly gonna do a chaos waste uh, kind of game from it. Yeah, then like a pop who, glory. Who? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but on skirmish level. Fuck yeah! <laughs> it yeah. almost seems like it's more the the Armageddon set than rather than Mordheim release re-release. If you compare it to the Armageddon and the Necromunda, I mean, in 40k. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully it's 
it it can stand on its own merit. It gives us a good set of terrain. Maybe there's some new nice chaos minis. There's some furies we've seen in the photos. Yeah, and, and war and dogs those furies. And... Yeah, I mean, and the furies, as Chris pointed out, they could work both as harpies or furies. Yeah, they're pretty useful. Yeah. It's always nice to get some new miniatures that I might utilize, and as uh, Jimmy said, terrain for a chaos wastes campaign or something. A possessed warband for Mordheim. Ooh, floating yeah. floating skulls that weep blood. Snow, stop. We... You promised we wouldn't do this. Yeah. Now I cry blood from my empty <laughs> tear sockets. <laughs> how about a Stargate shaped more like a chaos star? Oh, now you're talking my kind of language. But that's that I... will only have rules in 40k, sadly. Well, there are structures like that in fantasy. Yeah. There is. Couldn't you use it as a, like a unit filler if you had like a very Sinchi or like a Norskin yeah, you could, army band? You could, or use you could write up, or you could use really cool like uh, homebrew rules for it because uh, the gate looks kind of exactly like the gates from uh, Total War Warhammer and from Warhammer Online. Yeah, that's true. And if nothing else, you can have like two and use some magic, advanced magic setting or something like during full tilt, storm of chaos or like eighth ed or something. Just have them like yeah, that's or true. If you played like the storm of chaos from sixth edition, you could have like an invoker or like a chaotic invo- uh, awakener or something as standing in front of it, like a singe mage or something. Yeah, or ha- having them as uh, the spawn points for your reinforcements if you play like a. Siege of Middenheim battle. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Mm, giving me ideas. Maybe they be, you can take them out if you charge them with like cavalry with a warrior priest or something that could damage them. You can re- always make really cool stuff about basically of anything. Speaking of which, we were talking about Malekith earlier today. Do you know who debuted in 4th edition but didn't get rules in 6th edition? I mean, a lot of characters, but specifically we've had a request to Lars Dreadbringer who was not at all in 6th yeah, edition he was he was he was yeah he got a website uh, downloadable character sheet it's i think like 245 points or something like that <laughs> yeah we've had tangible requests to have more to Lars talk so uh, this is us reminding you renee renee this is all to Lars talk you will get it really so, is. Here we go. Talaris can be fielded in a Dark Elf army. He counts as a hero's choice. He must be fielded exactly as described here and may not be given any additional equipment. He must lead a unit of executioners and may not leave the unit during the battle. So he's got quite a decent hero stat line that's been boosted. Level toughness toughness 3, as usual. 245 points. Uh, he wears heavy armor and he uses two items from the regular Dark Elf army book as magic items. That's not pretty good. I mean, as in magic items, he, anyone can get. Well, at least he got in the web page. If you wanted to field Krell in sixth edition, you had to buy a very specific white dwarf. That's the only way to field Krell and Irish Camler in sixth edition. He got the executioner's axe and black amulet, and both of those are in the book, and they are more than a hundred points. So that's why probably I think they're more than a hundred points. But that's why he's yeah, whatever they are. That axe and, is super uh, expensive for some reason. Uh, 60 points. I think like 60 or 75 points or something. 60, because there's one more expensive than that. That's the Venom Blade, I think. Or is it, that axe might be 80 points, but that doesn't really matter, does it? He got a killing blow, but can slay everything 
with Killing Blow, not just man-sized models. Not well, everything but, yeah. but yeah. swarms. Yeah, sorry. Yes, my rat swarms are safe. Yeah. Yeah, but you have to pay the old man Kremler Kemler tax. That's like the worst tax. Boo hoo. Well, that's uh, that was Tolaris we just talked about. Uh, Krell. Oh, sorry. So Heinrich Kemler and Krell. You see, say four hundred fifty points. Oh Jesus! Why? That's like that. Why? That's like nothing. Four hundred fifty <laughs> points. That's for Heinrich Kemler. Krell is two hundred fifteen yeah. points additional to that. I pay over six hundred points for Grim Gryronide. Yeah, and that's what uh, uh, Kemler and Krell costs together. Yeah, but Grimger Ironhead literally kicked Arkan in the balls and won the yeah, Storm of Chaos. he did, he did. Also, I can't ignore that Grimgor has his bodyguard with him included in those points. Yeah, and Kemler and Krell cost about that together, and that's two yeah. models. Grimgor would beat their asses. Yeah, he would. Yeah. He would, literally. He would slam them with the broadside of his axe, headbutt them, and scream, Grimgor's the best! And then would he would let, like walk away like a winner. Yeah, but if I let you get into close combat with my squishy mage, then I really do deserve losing. <laughs> if you try to cast spells with Grimgor, you deserve to lose. Yeah, could Grimgor take he on Tolaris? Oh yes, he can. He could probably one shot him, basically. <laughs> squishy toughness free Dark Elf. <laughs> Grimgor Ironhide, movement four, weapon skill eight, ballistic skill two, because he has only one eye. Strength and toughness five, three wounds, initiative five, five attacks and leadership nine. He also have a one-up armor save, five plus word save, magic resistance one, and the best axe in the world, Gitsnick, Gitsnick. Which, means, which means foe killer. It's Nick's Gits, and it's plus two, two strength, and he always strikes first. Also, he has hatred for everything. He hates everyone. <laughs> That's pretty dope. Sorry, Dolores. Sorry, Rennie. I tried. Also, also, if he's still alive at the end of a close combat, he adds plus two to his combat resolution because he's an awesome fighter. <laughs> Dolores got a really good boost in 8th edition. Oh, uh, I I gotta say say your thing first, okay? Do his that. big boost is that is less than half the points than it is in 6th edition. Wow. Uh, apart from the plus two combat resolution for his awesome fighter special rule, Every unit uh, flees 3d6 inches away from him because they're so scared of him. It doesn't... Uh, so, yeah, both cavalry and infantry flee 3d6 regardless of their movement rate. If they fail to rally, they will flee, they will flee in their normal movement rate. So that's this so guy. Should, should we maybe stare away from 6th edition ass-kickers or... He gets better in the later editions. How? How could he get better? Okay, okay. Let, let's not open this can of worms. So, uh, so okay. else there we go. go Gotrek and Felix. There we go. Ooh. 475 points, which is divided 162 for Felix and 313 for Gotrek. We don't really have to go through anything more than the, this... Lovely one, which is the Worm, worm Slayer Blade, which is this enchanted sword thirsts for the blood of dragons, urging its wielder to confront these monstrous beasts and imbuing them with unnatural ferocity and speed. The Worm Slayer Blade adds plus two to Felix's attacks. In addition, if there is a dragon within its charge range, you must declare a charge against it. Against dragons, the Worm Slayer, worm slayer Blade allows Felix to reroll missed attacks and failed rolls to, rolls to wound. I just love that, that you have to charge a dragon. Yep. 
Yeah, and even with also, the uh, magical sword, he is not really kitted out to take out a dragon. <laughs> yeah. Is anyone in 6th edition? Well, at least he's got a strength 4. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, his body is the world's worst slayer. Yeah, depending on your point of view. Yeah, he is the worst slayer. He just never dies. Not even when the old world died. Maybe nope. we should do this in the future as an episode. You just go through some of <laughs> oh, our yeah. favorite special characters from 6th edition instead yeah. of just reading them out as we do now. We need to get no, on to the. A good idea. We need to get on to our battles. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think uh, two months ago or one month, I don't know. It was time, a, time, time passes weirdly here. It was about uh, a month ago. Yeah, uh, and uh, Chris Krell and Jens came visiting me, and we had three games of Warhammer Fantasy Battles everyone faced each other and uh, i'm gonna start with my first game it was with chris i filled my night goblins like everyone knows i always feel a lot of night goblins and fanatics and a giant mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> of course you do it's own oh, play also yeah also i used my my newly painted great shaman knorka de Lune. My level three Night Goblin Shaman. And I must say, he really sucks at casting spells. Didn't you drop him as well? Yeah. Yeah. But on the other hand, he might have deserved it. He did. But yes, Jimmy said it was. We faced off in the first game. And uh, yeah, it was quite clear, as a small spoiler here, that uh, it is unfavorable to not field a fully painted army yeah the dice are really against you yeah but they usually are that's because you need dice for your army specific dice yeah but uh, we were we played a thousand points between us in our border princess campaign and uh, yeah i fielded my archers which was a small city guard force which i didn't play as good as I probably could, but to my defense, it was about 15 years since I played 6th edition. Something like that. So I'm just going to start off with saying that I'm going to put in the excuses here because there really are none to be made. All excuses are good excuses. I accept it. Yeah, we should. Uh, let's do some. Let's, let's just do some highlights because. It was yeah. quite clear that there was a lot more goblins on the table than there were elves. Yeah, there were. And uh, for me, my squigs started eating each other up because my goblins fled in panic and my squigs broke off, becoming wild squigs. My, I think I had released my squig hoppers before the unit like fled. Uh, no, my... that, that was... Uh, I. I shot your squig hopper unit with the bolt thrower and then they scattered. And one of them charged I, while well, scattering. I think I think I think I released my squig hoppers before that. Oh yeah, you might have. Yeah. Because I can remember yeah, you, because how you yeah, one, one in uh, because I remember how, how one of my squig hoppers squig ate him up 
and became a loose squig. Yeah, and one of them basically charged my knights, I think it was. Yep. And, uh, well, I, my, my goblins themselves didn't do much. It was like my loose squigs and my fanatics. And then your loose squigs, well, your loose squigs ran around and your the, the handlers <laughs> basically trained off the table. <laughs> yeah. They spent like four turns just slowly moving off the table. And getting hit by squigs every single turn. It was like two or three yeah. squigs chasing them off. and was like, God damn it, stop eating my handlers. Yeah. Uh, well, but, uh, the good thing... I mean, you're not, a, you're not a very good Pokemon trainer. Obviously, they're going to do know. what's in their nature, Jimmy. I will never become a good Pokemon trainer. <laughs> well, the other highlight of that game was basically your giant charging into my unit of city guard, <laughs> scaring them, they moving back a bit, and then, oh, well, your giant moves up, faces my lord, and my lord just pokes him in the knee or something and yeah, just he, dies. You one-hit him, yeah, yeah, with that bloody sword that you had. Well, I knew that was, at least someone was going to take a giant <laughs> or something big, so I had to take uh, the lovely sword that uh, <laughs> that got a killing killing blow on a two d six toughness test. Yeah, it's like for each unsaved wound. Yeah, or is it? Yeah. if it takes at least one unsaved wound, yeah, you have to take a toughness test for. Yeah, um, yeah, and that like killed my giant. I think I rolled double six. Yeah, it was way above yeah. his toughness. Yeah, it was like I'm dead now. <clears throat> Anyhow, even though you had a lot of more casualties, you still had, like, killed a lot of my points. I mean, like, my points go into my, well, giant, obviously, my squigs and my fanatics, and I had none of those left. I had, like, my my 50-man unit at, at over half strength, <laughs> at least. So yeah. the game ended in a draw. But one of the reasons was that your large unit didn't move for two turns so it couldn't really do yeah. anything and i couldn't really do much to it either when i had a giant in my lines so yeah this is this is because animosity is a fun rule but somehow scab hammers don't use animosity <sighs> but we all know that animosity is a rule that ruins the game yeah but and makes that's, that's orcs and goblins less well that makes them less competitive so we have to remove it yeah yeah that's true but I don't want to play competitive games. Yeah. And for people that don't know, we, we are referring to the arguments to remove the animosity rule in uh, ninth edition. Yeah. yeah. Well, during our game, Krell and Jens had another game at the same time. Oh, yeah. We, the mighty oh, yeah. empire facing off against... Uh, what, was it, what, what did I name it? Soy Boy, Beracuck, von Karstein? Uh, yeah, I think that's what you call them. Yeah. And you would rue that. Rue it well. Well, would I? Would I really? I mean, well, I guess uh, we'll find out. Yeah, uh, I had the luck of uh, using my mighty Hellblaster cannon and getting. I think you got the first turn, but I got like a good lineup on your unit with your general in it. I yeah, fired. I was like, oh, this is gonna suck. Yeah, and I fired, and I rolled a misfire, and I rolled a one. So right off the bat, I'm a. 125 points down. Yeah. And I remember that because I was like, what does that do? When you looked at him like I'm making fun of you and Jimmy looked over, it's like, what happened? And you're like, double one. I'm like, okay, what happened? <laughs> Do you like shoot me once or what? You're, you're like, no, he dies. What? He, he dies. Let's take him off. Oh, okay. Well, good for me. I hate shooting. 
we actually we had two tables because Jimmy's club in Javla is badass. Everybody has snow basing except for me. So Jens was kind enough to take the field in fighting on the non-snowy table. So we had a bunch yeah. of tables and we we're basically fighting to defend the country. Uh, so in the Border Princess, shit got rough early. <laughs> so he blew up his Hellblaster. And then on my first turn, my Graveguard nobly advanced and my bunch of skeletons ran forward. And then you shot the shit out of him, right? Um, I didn't shoot that much. I mean, my handgunners, I think I killed like one dude with my handgunners. And that's all the shooting I had left. But I did have a cavalry unit of White Wolf dudes with a Grandmaster who made them immune to psychology, which was very handy when facing the undead hordes. So I just rode up your flank and then like charged you in the flanks and rears of your units. Yeah, and it should be said that this is not me excusing myself because Jens played a very good tight game. I'm like, okay, so you hit me in the side. What does that mean? And it's like, well, this it means this. Oh, okay, so one guy gets to hit back. Yeah. Okay, so I lose this combat with my grave guards, like a solid quarter of my army. He's like, yep. And he's like, now what? Nope, they crumble. So my grave guards bit it on turn one, I think. And you just rode, no, turn two. They were in combat once. Then you rode past yeah. and just wanted to fuck me up. Yeah, like charge everything in the rear. And then your uh, your beta cuck Karstein guy couldn't really get through my one plus saves on my other knights with his uh, yeah. tiny, tiny sword. It's super funny because my VIPs in this game were my direwolves because I hit them with the Dance Macabre, so they got to double move, hit your handgunners in the flank, you got struck with fear. Ran them off. Yeah. yeah, ran them off, and then they ran in on the second turn. It's actually a pretty funny thing from my perspective because he had a couple of beautiful great swords with the hammers of Alric advancing towards my like main dude who's already going to get fucked up by cavalry. So in a wild gamble, I summoned, I think, 3d6 skeletons in front of your swordsmen. Yeah. Uh, I did. I got really good rolls. It's like 17 skeletons, which was like two, two unit fillers and 10 skeletons, because I was running out of skeletons quick. And then you couldn't march, and you couldn't charge them either, because nope, you, you, uh, you stopped me. And I couldn't and... really get to your last unit with, uh, with all of my stuff in time. <laughs> Yeah, and then you got into combat, and I think you like you whittled them down to like five, and then I boosted them yeah. again, and then my wolves hit you in the rear. And I still managed to hold on and get that skeleton unit down to like the last skeleton. Oh, damn. Yeah, and, then, <laughs> and then the wolves like just bit you to death. And then your then your fucking cavalry slammed into Superman from Karstein, and he, they stood there. And after a while, it's like, well, screw those great sword units. I'm just gonna buff myself. So at one time, I think I had like 52 skeletons and my yeah. from Karstein dude just fighting you, slowly whittling down my knights. Yeah, but it ended that way actually. <laughs> you had pretty much nothing left, and I just had. Uh, <laughs> I was just behind a wall of 9,000 skeletons, and <laughs> yeah. it was a minor win for you, right? Because remember, you taking yeah, 50 my goddamn points. Yeah, I got some of your banners, and I got, like, I think I had a table quarter and stuff like that. So I ended Don't up be on top. You got all of the banners. Oh, yeah. Except for the one you had in your in your mega unit. Yeah, he was safe. He was safe behind 8,999 other skeletons. So totally. after that, we rolled again, and I got to face off against Jimmy! Yes! So it was goblins against the undead.
So two games in a row, I play against armies that I fear. Nice with leadership five. And it's kind of hilarious because for this game, I'm like, okay, so obviously my army's been routed, and I can't like super raise graveguard again because they're pretty elite. So I'm just gonna rumble around the closest graveyard and summon restless spirits and protect this village because we played protect the village. So my new army was yeah. first. First it was 30 ghouls that has lined up, and Jim was like, "Why are you ranking ghouls?" I'm like, "Isn't this what you do?" He's like, "Not in sixth edition. <laughs> They're skirmishers. You don't put them in a movement tray. You can't even have them as a troop." I'm like, uh, uh, "Why? Because it's border princes. You don't have a forest. I told you to get a forest, but you didn't. So you can't have skirmishers." And I was like frumping. I was like, "Why well, won't have gravy and ghouls?" <laughs> So you just ended up having more skeletons. Actually, I took minimum units of skeletons. I listened to you. I took minimum units of skeletons, and then I just boosted them turn one. <laughs> it's a winning <laughs> strategy for sure. And for some reason, my shaman got removed from the game. He's Yeah, he got like one good turn of magic. <laughs> yeah. And then, poof, gone. Yeah, he, he flew away like Looney Tunes style. He ate two bad mushrooms, and he just flew away team rocket will come back yeah. another day yeah turning it himself. <laughs> 250 points uh my giant though damn he <laughs> up and down he jumped up and down every single combat he wasn't in, in this game so first he like got into uh your necromancer and his unit and it was like i'm gonna jump up and down and he did so two turns the unit is gone and then he got charged by Spiritos, and he's like, I'm going to jump up and down. And I'm like, I can't even do anything now. He jumps up and down until he falls over or he is dead. So he's locked with a yeah. couple of Spiritos. And that was hilarious because I hate Spiritos and Banshees, and I'm like, I'll give it a try. Yeah. And the first turn, you shot my Banshee <laughs> with magic, so one wound yeah. left. And they were like, okay, Jimmy. And I tried to I, kill her. I tried to kill her so many times. Yeah. I'm like, what other magic, whatever, like, mage slingers and magic blades do you have? You're like, nothing. <laughs> They're all gone. Oh, and your yeah. squeak hoppers just stood around for three and a half turns fighting among themselves. Yeah. Animosity is so fun. <laughs> but in it's the end... It's a drug. Yeah. Uh, anyways, in the end, my squeak hoppers helped my giant away from the goddamn spirit hosts by winning through combat resolution. Yeah, and they did work. They and, did, like, free. Yeah. Yeah, and like my goblins fought and fled and died from the skeletons. Yeah, the vampire. That was amazing. And, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Your vampire who was like, I'm gonna throw spells, and it like fell down to his knee for two turns. And my goblins were like, Haha, we hit you automatically. Step, step. Yeah, and it was such a fucking goblin moment because I miscast, and oh, then yeah. I was like overcome <laughs> with the magic. So I'm lying there wrapped in my cloak. I'm like, surely the day cannot take a worse turn. And then you have some fucking goblins just running, Oh, I'm a protim. And you just keep stabbing with spit. Fuck, stop. God, fuck, God. Oi, as soon as I get out of the fucking cloak. Give me the back. You're like, hey, Chris, Jens, <laughs> I'm beating up a vampire. I'm like, no, you're poking him when he's down. And I threw like a sick girl hit. He's already dead. <laughs> and then somehow I think I won combat. And you're like, well, you do yeah. outnumber me and you do outrank me. So, <laughs> oh yeah, because I charged you inside with my wolves. And then you're yeah. like, well, you outrank me and automatically flee. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> I kept forgetting yeah, you about that. You out, yeah, if you outnumber your enemy and you win combat with fear, like flee automatically. So, yeah, there's and, that. And then you had a moment with your 
Banshee. Yeah, it was like the last turn, and you finally got out of combat, and you're like, I'm going to scream because my Banshee ain't done a lot. And we're like, okay, well, what do you need? Okay, so I got like a five to hit. Okay, good. And I'm like, well, now I have to roll literally two sixes to kill you. And we're like, okay, so we did that. And I got two sixes, four wounds, yeah. killed off a motherfucking giant. <laughs> no saves. <sighs> oh. oh, well, it was fun as long as it lasted. For those of you who don't know, uh, in the Manji Rules of Sixth Edition is that I roll, what is it, like 2d6 plus 3, and you roll your leadership, and think, as much I as I pass you, you I take wounds. I think it's 2d6 plus 2 against my leadership. Oh, yeah. So that was a, it was a good conversation. Yeah, it ended up in a win for the undead and a loss for my goblins, and I lost 25 of my points in my next game. Which I made good use of. But first, Jens, Chris, what did you guys play? Uh, we faced off on a, on a snowy table, and uh, once again, my uh, cool grandmaster showed his worth by taking out did i take your chariot out in the first turn or the second turn uh, i think that was uh, the second turn because you had to move first oh, or yeah. maybe or did you have that uh, extra movement yeah the three extra on the, yeah the then standard. you did it in the, then you did it in the first yeah so so he did that with the knight of the white wolf and then your uh, sorceress had a bit of a she uh, performed as on average in that game, or in that, all of those games. So she started off with uh, getting a miscast and burning out her magic ability, totally. Yeah, uh, so she was now yeah. a very expensive uh, charge redirector. Yeah, but she did later on charge your knights, just for fun. Yes, and how did that work <laughs> out for her? Well, it delayed your nights, <laughs> so it, yeah, uh, served its purpose for about a turn at least. And in this game, my uh, hellblaster did at least some work. I think I think I shot at your uh, cold one nights an, and killed. Yeah, you killed yeah. kill a knight or two. Yeah, and then I spent the rest of the game moving up and trying to get into range of <laughs> the rest of your army. Yeah, but uh, that they uh, forgot to play my city guard properly again. So I played them too def too, too much uh, on the defense. So yeah. To they, be fair, I had a pretty yeah. aggressive army with the knights. So yeah, I didn't really want to. Uh, I knew that I had to take it, take the charge, but I could have probably been in a better position when I did it. So yeah. But uh, they bas basically whittled down uh, a unit of hand runners, and then uh, we had a really, really nice proper battle in the middle. Yeah, big fight uh, with uh, like all yeah. the units. Yeah, because there were two Tujan guard facing off. Because they were, or were the great swords at this point. Uh, yeah, uh, proper Tujan guards, but played as great swords. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That, so they were faced uh, faced right into my city guard, and then I got some knights in the side, and yeah. I had we. Played another turn, the city guard would have won that fight. Oh yeah, you were <laughs> chopping down dudes pretty. Yeah, left, right, center, with your lord especially. Yeah, it helps that uh, everything, every wound you take, you have to take that toughness test. So yeah, on toughness three. Yeah, on his 
little doesn't have like a weapon skill seven or something like that. So it tends to yeah. hit. Oh yeah. But I did manage to run off your bolt thrower with a, such a clever way to use my knights. I lined them up perfectly for you to shoot at them, and then you killed a lot of them. And then I still managed to have like one or two left. You had one. Run. I think you had one yeah. knight that charged. <laughs> I managed to pause his test and then charge my bolt thrower. Just as planned. Just as planned. Yeah. Well, had we used one die being different, he would have been dead as well. So it paid well, off. Did, the gamble paid off. Like, yeah. On my four saves, I did roll like three twos. So I think I should have had more guys left, if anything. Yeah, but the gamble paid off. But uh, the most the most fun was that large block of <laughs> city guard taking that enormous beating and eking it out. Even though had the, the tributing guard, or greatsword in this case, fallen, there was a unit of swordsmen behind them. That would probably have wiped out the city guard in the end. Well, don't say that because you're still just swordsmen. They can't do shit. Yeah, but there was like eleven city guard, and so unless they break them. Yeah, yeah. If the lord had been taken down, then maybe they could have taken them. Otherwise, I might yeah. have like forty to a standstill at least. Yeah, that uh, two plus armor save really helps as well on the lord. Yeah. Yeah, but I did manage to claw enough points for you to be uh, to be a major win, right? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, that was because that was because the points difference because you got the sorceress and you got the war machine and you, all of that. It really helps adding up those yeah. points. And a banner from the Cold War Knights because your knights managed to kill those off. I think. Oh yeah, that's right. So. All of that adds up in the end, but uh, yeah. And that's where we kind of broke off for lunch, and we had a civil discussion with Jimmy about the proper way of dipping French fries, having a proper Swedish cuisine discussion. Yeah, the proper or way of using the paper cup for ketchup. Heretics and heathens. Okay, so like, quick show of hands. Anyone living outside of Sweden, how many of y'all take your little paper cup for, for ketchup, and you fold it up like a little bowl? Does anyone do that? Like in any other make, country? If you make a mess of it, because you yeah. lose the structural integrity of the paper cup. Yeah, and it flips over and you get like ketchup on the table. Does an, anyone listening? Anyone like Poland, Australia, England? Is there anyone out there who does this or is solely javelin thing? We're, we're going to have, I'm going to ask for some dialings here. If you're listening, please tell me just for wanting curiosity. We can put up a poll on our Facebook page. We can put yeah, we up should. a video <laughs> of how to do it properly. If it was supposed to be done like that, people would know about it. Okay, okay, not this well, again. People, so we got back. Are <laughs> you heard from so me, people back. are stupid. I'm stupid. We, yeah, exactly. So we got back to the hall. <laughs> we lined up the last game. Jimmy versus Jens and me versus Chris. You guys start first. Okay, so I just have to, additional... one thing yeah. to say: a hand weapon on a sorceress is deadly. This is important in about two turns. Yeah, and as for me, I had an additional twenty-five points, so I had like talk to people. So Jimmy was nice enough. I think Jens was nice enough to go, but you could buy this magic item that just lets you do Van Helles dance macabre. I'm like, yeah, no, that seems fair. I'll you get had that one. plus fifty points because you took a silver mine, I think. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, I think that was like oh, yeah, 40, 40 yeah, that's something. how it was. He didn't he didn't take my you took my magic banner. That's what it was. It wasn't my 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 last fanatic. It was my magic banner. Yeah. And for those people that are not familiar with the Border Princess rules, when you play these these kinds of games that are not well like a challenge game or something like that, you only win it for the next battle and not permanently. That's te- the bonus of that territory. Yeah. You can also play like so, a challenge battle when you say, I want to play you for your forest or your mine or your town or so. Yeah, but at this one we just had general battles. And in the next step we might escalate or we might have grudges, which we'll come to what that means yeah. in a later episode. But anyway... Yeah. Me and Chris stand up. My my mage, my necromancer, my hedge necromancer, and my von Karsten vampires managed to rouse the local populace. So we finally have some grave guardian. And Chris stands up and he does this super cowardly thing where all his like good guys are taking cover behind some kind of stone wall or something. I don't know what he's doing. So I have to nobly advance over the field and take the combat. There's, there's a wall on my in my deployment zone. Where else should I put my elves? Somewhere brave. Yeah, behind the wall, pointing outwards. <laughs> so this game actually went very strangely due to a fickle roll of a dice, the way it usually does. Yeah, uh, it, I got first it, turn. This game actually did hinge on one die roll. Basically. It did. So what happened was, uh, basically, I could cast Van Hell's Dance Macabre at three times a turn, which I did, which lets me double march. So by turn one, I'd advanced over half of the field. And I think I was just outside of charge range when Christopher unleashed hell. Yeah, uh, yeah you had also lost half of your army by that point, but since you can raise more. Yeah, by, t- by turn two, you like, I think like everyone else, you had issues between shooting at my grave guard or my wolves. So you shot at the grave guard. I think you killed off half of them yeah. before I even go- got in close combat. You had four left when they got in close combat. And I had to choose now in a tactical manner to either sacrifice my graveguard and get him into close combat uh, or try and take on his chariot. And I actually really lucked out here because his chariot got a fear test. So he couldn't charge into me the first occasion he had. And I think, didn't your like cold one nights have the same problem? No, they, no uh, things that cause fear don't take fear tests. So it was stupidity. No, it... Uh... It had to turn a bit. The chariot had, wasn't lined up perfectly, so you had to move it, and it lost enough movement so it couldn't charge, or something like that. Oh, yeah, something like that. It was anyway, out of range. Your Cold One Knights basically decimated my one unit of skeletons with my Necromancer. I think it took like a turn, yeah. and then it was fucked. Yeah, except that there was an, the Necromancer was still left, so the next turn you managed to raise about... 13, 14 skeletons in that unit. So. Yeah, I, like, I managed to like free, free dice that one with a power stone. And I'm like, well, this is all I got. So I think I threw, managed to throw like some insane number, like 17 skeletons into that. So you're locked into combat. And my grave guard ran up yeah. and he charged and tried to hit you over the wall and died. Yeah, then we have had that lovely setting again with the Lord taking just... Yeah, I'm gonna kill you, and I'm gonna kill you, and I'm gonna kill you. There is, yeah, that, that yeah. poison blade was no fucking joke. Yeah, it, it is a really good item. It's expensive. It is almost well, it is 
too expensive really for this setting, but now I have it, so I have to use it. And then, and then my skeletons ran into close combat, and my wolves managed to jump the wall and hit you in the side. Mm. And, and then I got caught. Strange. And then uh, we had, well, it was since you had a von Karstein Lord, right? You... Yeah, because we were like trying to com- calculate combat resolution, and Jimmy and Jens were pretty much done by now, so we're picking just stuff away. And I have to give two two Chris very composed and pleasant demeanor. I'd be like, "But wait, how does combat resolution work again?" And it's like, "Okay, so I outrank you, but you outnumber me." And then we went like back and forth, and like you kill this many, and you kill this many. We both have banners, but you have a musician, and it's like, so it's a draw. And I'm like, "Yeah, shit, it is a draw." And then I'm like, "But wait." I have this one Karstein power that gives me plus one to all combat resolutions I'm in. And you just throws up. You're like, wait, you do? And Jim is like, wait, what? He does? And then it also turned out I outnumbered you. So you automatically had to flee, right? No, it was... Uh, I had to do... I lost the combat. So I had to do the test. And my unit that had at that point lost like five elves out of 25 ran. They ran... <laughs> And they and got, got chased down by the wolves. Yeah, they got chased down with the wolves. And due to it being a massacre, I got to run towards your sorceress as well. Who won that combat? Yeah, who she got side charged by like five wolves and just stood her ground and impaled one and threw it to the ground. She just kicked the yeah. shit out of one of those wolves. And every, we were basically just staring at the dice and table and just seeing the sorceress just killed something in close combat. It wasn't. Yeah. It's not that common to see. And then your chariot charged into the side of my skeletons and somehow lost combat. <laughs> I did uh, one. Then you got one attack, or more than the yeah. D3 plus one, so you got two attacks total and it did nothing. Because it literally did nothing. And then I got to hit you back, and then my vampire stepped up and tried to do his thing, and I think you fled or died. So you had some tremendously yeah. bad luck in that game, my friend. Yeah, it was that die roll that when when the ent- basically my entire center of ar- the army ran and got chased down by the wolves. I had nothing left on the table that could do anything really because next to that was my sorceress and next to that was my bolt thrower and I had nothing else in my deployment. So. And again, I just want to say that you took this with tremendous composure and pleasant demeanor because I would have been sulking like a five-year-old child in a corner, which I almost did when I played against Jimmy. So good on you. You're a good guy to face. But at this well, juncture, it, you'd have it a rough was, day. It was, it was a fun game. It was just so annoying that it was... Because, yeah. Yeah, but at least I remember what I did I know what I did wrong, so I'm going to correct it for the future and maybe lose again. Doesn't really matter, because I had fun. So. And it was a good game. You even yeah, it was a fun game. you even had that lovely moment when I threw that spell on you, uh, that uh, 12 power Dark Elves yeah, Dark spell. Like and, just, and you just went... or something? I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah. Dark Vortex or something like that, I think. And you just... It does what? Because it covered in your entire graveyard unit. Yeah, I'm like, wait, what? It, it automatically wounds me. You're like, no, okay. And then we went through the truth and like, okay, I hit you. And then if I wound you, you die. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, you do, do, like, a strength, you know. do like a strength test or something or, or be sucked into another dimension. 
just I kind of me. lucked out there. Yeah, I lucked out there because at least grave cards have, I think, strength four, but not toughness four in sixth edition. So could have been worse. Yeah. So that's our on game. The other hand, Jens, Jim. Yeah, on the, yeah. Sorry. There were some lovely moments in this game that we just heard on in the side on the side on the on the side of the room or next to us, basically. <laughs> yeah, our game had a bit of a, a back and forth uh, feel to it. Oh yeah, yeah, it was like cat and mouse back and forth yeah. all the time. I oh, managed to get some wounds on your giant in the, yeah. in the first turn. Yeah, using your you uh, hide yeah, and uh, my giant like I think he scared away your great swords using terror. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, eventually he he kept chasing them. And uh, I liked how your knights kind of died against fanatics because yeah, fanatics yeah. are fun. You managed to get like, oh, I, I get a d6 hit, I roll a five, and I wound with everything, so you guys just dead. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's only the Grandmaster here. Okay. But he managed to uh, charge your big knight goblin unit by himself. Yeah. yeah. I and, don't know uh, why I did that, but it felt like a good idea at the time. Uh, well, it did help you later on. Oh, yeah, so, it did. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Jens uh, attacked by 50-man Night Goblin unit with his Grandmaster. And he, well, due to combat resolution, he fled. I think you whiffed all your attacks, too. Yeah, I think you... I'm, I think you don't... I, I, I don't... Or something. I yeah, hit with three yeah. and rolled two ones yeah, and a three yeah. or something. <laughs> like, that's one goblin, and and obviously I did nothing, but static combat resolution does help a lot. Uh, so he fled, and I chased him after. And during Foolishly! My turn, yes, and during my turn, I charged him, so he kept on fleeing, and my guys were like, we're gonna walk after him. And for some reason, there's a Hellblaster to my right. <laughs> Yeah, just looking down at that lovely, lovely target. And of course, I roll a misfire. And I think, oh, fuck. This is where <laughs> it all goes to hell. But I managed to roll a six on the misfire table, which is I hit you with fucking everything that I can since it was the first dice. So that's 30 strength five shots with the minus yeah. three armor save. Yeah, and it was like... Yeah, 23 or 29, somewhere 29. between. 29. <laughs> yeah, 29 died. One of those guys hit survives and was like, I have 11 fucking goblins left. Bam, bam, bam. They just a bloody smear on the ground. Yeah. And like, I succeed on my panic test. Is like, I need to take out this, this Hellblaster. And luckily, my shaman had the spell Hand of Gork. Yeah. So. I turn my unit around, I walk my, I think it's one or two inches that I have left. Like, I'm going to use Hand of Gork, I think it was with a, with an irresistible force, and I rolled exactly what I needed to charge the Hellblaster Volligan. Yeah, you were like, if it had been a few millimeters away... Yeah, I wouldn't I would have reached have been it. Safe. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it was like eight inches that I rolled or something, eight or seven, I don't yeah. know. But it was a close call, and uh, yeah, my goblins did something for once. <laughs> and my giant went rampage in your deployment zone. I yeah, he you killed a lot of stuff. Yeah. Or he didn't kill as much as he scared away. I, I, I remember when I was in the, in the decision, hmm, should I rear charge the swordsman 
and uh, let the let, let your handgunner shoot me without any modifiers or should I charge those guys with the stand and shoot modifier so I ended up killing off the handgunners with my giant yeah they, I was hoping they almost done, but... yeah they almost killed him almost. I think he had like I think he had one or two wounds remaining yeah I think he was down to three wounds and then I managed to get like one wound on him with shooting yeah oh god it was a sweaty moment so what I learned give the enemy something else than giants to shoot in the first two or three turns. Yeah, he's a pretty big target. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he is. But it uh, well, regarding terrain during fantasy, it's it's not always that you have line of sight blocking terrain. It's not easy to play with terrain in 6th edition. Uh, because a lot of people when I do the well, what's called the the tournament setup with a with a hill on each side and like two forests on each side and like yeah, got the, the impassable terrain yeah. in the middle is like why trim to perfect length exactly 12.5 centimeters wide i mean like in in real war you pick the battlefield where you like get the most out of it so if you're the defender you're gonna pick a good place to defend and so you did because you had like uh a nice uh, hill on your side. You had a village to hide in. I had yeah, pretty had much some... woods. Yeah, and you had like two avenues of attack that I could like cover with my uh, my hellblaster and my handgunners. But yeah. that terror-causing giant messed up my plans. Yeah, he sure did. And he almost died the first turn. I was like, shit, I forgot that he can see part of my base. I should have like yeah, went down like, and yeah. check your line of sight and was like, I forgot to do that. I gotta live with this. Yeah, because my hellblaster doesn't give a fuck about modifiers. He just hits whatever he shoots at. Yep. Anyhow, in the end, it ended up in a win for the goblins. Yeah. That you was like took out wow. a lot of stuff from my side. Yeah. All my knights and yeah, uh, your grandma yeah. has fled off the battlefield. I took. Yeah, out. he did his yeah. job though. Yeah, he did. Into the the trap. My giant chased off your greatsword from the board. It was like you had your... Yeah, you you had your greatswords left on the board, I think. Yeah, I think you chased off my swordsman, but I didn't have any of your banners. All my knights were dead. My grandmaster had fled. Hellblaster was uh, destroyed. Handgunners were dead, so not that much left. Yeah, all my fanatics were dead, obviously. They always are. And my squig hoppers were all over the place, and my squigs were all over the place. <sighs> they always die. Poor guys. Yeah, uh, but I'm glad I had enough goblins for the job. I mean, like, they're two points each. It's like... Yeah, if you had to take... It's way too expensive. Instead of 50, you wouldn't have had any left from that unit yeah. when I was done with it. Yeah. God damn it. I think it's funny because you rarely hear words like, and in the, gobl- in the end, the goblins won. Does I've never happen. heard that said before. It does happen. Do you hear that, Ninth Age players? You can win with animosity. And again, what did we learn? We had a lot of fun in Javla. I think next yeah. time we're going to go to Jens. Javla's a beautiful city. I learned that. You even have electricity. I'm sure you're nice people. Not, yeah. not you need all to come you. To, the, to the real countryside. You're just just one thing, me. there's a worrying amount of protein powder stores in Javelin. <laughs> yeah, oh, like, yeah. 
even compared to Stockholm or capital, you have like two and a half per square kilometers. And Jim's <laughs> yep. like, well, that's how it works around here. Everybody goes to the gym and then they go tanning and then they have pizza because they're happy and then they have to go to the gym again. And then there's a racist <laughs> shit at work about immigrants who are taking your jobs because you don't want to do them. And then you get on disability. So you go to the gym and then you get a job and I'm like, shit, it's like the circle of life. And it's a really it's cool hobby store there. There's a really cool hobby store. Yeah, yeah, shout out shout out to Hobbyshoppen, the hobby shop in Jävle. Nice store. They and they have like they have like 10 to 20% off on all, on all uh, GW things and uh, for every 100 Swedish kroner you you shop for, you get a stamp and when you have 12 stamp the stamps they are worth uh, 100 kroner. Which isn't and- bad. It's not bad, and I, I love those, that sort of like incitement to buy more. I also thought it was really cool that when we were there, we looked at a package, and Chris was like, Jimmy, I think they're overpricing it. It costs less there. And he was like, oh, hey, give me that. And he went over to the desk front like, hey, excuse me, I think you all made a mistake in overpricing it. And they're like, really? Let me call our guy. And he spoke to the guy, and it's like, yeah, no, you guys are right. Uh, the real price should be this, and this is your discount. And I was like, whoa, they're actually pleasant and customer-oriented. We don't get that in Stockholm. <laughs> they didn't ask us to fuck off or anything. Let's go back here. Must feel nice. It felt sort of strange. Like you've lived your life in torn rags beneath the greatness and beauty of the royal castle. And then one day you get a nice fitting, beautiful sweater. And you can't really figure out what's going on or why. But it's enjoyable. I also love love that. Well, you can park anywhere here policy outside of that store. <laughs> if you pick things up or leave them, you have a 10-minute park anywhere. So, to sum up, we had some lovely games and some lovely times, and we are, are in the process of trying to sort another date for our next game. Oh, yeah. As it looks now, it should be around the end of May. That's totally fine with me. Everyone's yeah. welcome here, and I can uh, I can travel. Yeah, I think we have. Uh... Jens promised us booze. He did. <laughs> we will uh, stay over the night. If we do it at my place, we also have access to the sheepish Thai Chinese uh, sushi place lunch buffet thing. But I, I like have a where song. this is heading. <laughs> I, I think... like where both of these things are heading. Uh, if we go to Jensen's place, I'm pretty sure we get to stay in a fortified manse. That's the only way to ward off the beast, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know, Chris. What's your like? What's your ethereal protection against the pharmaceutical threats of Eskilduna? There's about a two-minute walk to the ice cream place. Oh, shit. I don't know, man. That's pretty solid. Hmm. I don't know if there is any ice cream around here. I'll have to to forage a bit. <laughs> I love your statement. Ice you... cream? No, no, ice no. Ice cream? No, no, no. No, this is Jens. I scream. Ah, beast man. So, with that, we'll see you. You or well, you will hear Nicholas and the other some other guys talk in the main segment about what we said earlier: events in London and how to do events and stuff. Yeah, to Lars, to y'all later. Bye. You and your masters are desiccated relics of a dead age.
And what greater prospect do I have in Nagisha service, a future of mindless servitude in an unchanging world? The great necromancer is a selfish child. Though assured of his power, he remains forever terrified that another will take it from him. He will not be satisfied until his is the only will in existence, for only then can he be safe. Henrich Kemmler, talking to his nemesis Harkon the Black. So, welcome to this, where Niklas and Joe are going to talk about the awesome 6th edition tournament that was held in the UK a few weekends ago. So, uh, boys, let's start talking shop. What was going on down there? Uh, okay, shall I just start from the beginning? Um, back in August, I had uh, a brilliant idea, which was to start a 6th edition tournament. And I, I came to that conclusion because I joined the Facebook groups Middle Hammer and the Warhammer Fantasy 6th edition group. And I uh, realized suddenly there was all these people who were keen on, on playing 6th, which uh, was the only edition I really, really loved. And so I just said, who'd be up for a tournament? And you know, about 20 people were like, yes, me. So I went ahead and I booked a hall. And that's where it all began. Hmm. Yeah, it's had a bit of a resurgence lately, I, I feel. Yeah, I mean, I was, kind of, um, I was really surprised because uh, during 8th edition, I didn't, I've got to break it to you now, I didn't, didn't like 8th edition at all, um, but that was mainly due to like uh, the models I had didn't work so I felt a little bit cheated um, but anyway I didn't like 8th and during 8th I was trying to convince some people to play 6th and they kind of just looked at me really weirdly and so I just shut up and played 40k <laughs> <laughs> well you're in a good company here you know we're all about 6th edition it's obviously the peak pinnacle of civilization's accomplishments figure <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, well, I, at the moment, let's let's allow some room for the future. <laughs> you have not heard us talk about Age of Sigmar, have you? <laughs> have. I've listened to a few of the programs. <laughs> um, well, anyway, yeah, so I was shocked that so many people were like, uh, now that eighth was over, so many people were open to the idea of, yeah, why not? Play whatever you like. And I remember sixth. It was awesome. Let's play some sixth. And so, yeah, I booked the hall. Um, I initially put down for 20 players, and then I started kind of working out how I was going to get scenery and tables to play um, 10 tables worth uh, of, uh, of scenery for games and things like this. Um, and, yeah, so it all began from there. And uh, Nicholas got in contact because um, he was in London saying, would you like to meet up for some games? And so... Um, I gradually got back into playing some sixth with him first, which is very helpful, obviously, because you practice before you try and rules dispute people. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. probably a good idea. Yeah, so I came to London June last year, and uh, pretty soon after that, I saw you announce a uh, sixth edition tournament. So that's just perfect. So you just started getting back in sixth edition. So we've been playing fairly regularly, like once a month, maybe. Uh, down at Darksphere and uh, yeah it's been really good like to get to know the game for this tournament and it always felt like like oh shit March is so far away like why do you look so far away but then it, it was there like time flew past and we had a tournament yeah so 
I wanted to make it so far in advance because I wanted uh, to give myself enough time to put together scenery and tables if I needed to, or I wanted to give, give myself enough time to organise like where I was getting this stuff from because uh, I really didn't want to have like the date come round and just you know a load of cardboard and crap and and people being like I paid money for this um, and so yeah it, it ought to be like you know not even the basics there so so yeah I wanted to give myself enough time and then lots of other people apparently um, said that they joined the tournament because uh, it was enough time to give them a shot at painting a new army or painting up a load of units for the specifically for the tournament uh, at least um two people regularly kept me updated with their like oh i'm painting this and then i'm doing this just for the tournament um so that that uh, aspect was really good for the players i think as well yeah, it's always nice yeah. to give them a bit of a, a leeway to like yeah you're probably going to want to paint up some units do some new stuff because while most people maybe have a lot of painted molds lying around for a tournament like this, you might want to do something brand new. Exactly. Um, one of the guys, Phil, he uh, wanted to make a Slanesh army. Um, and he had previously in the past, I've played, like, when I say the past, maybe about 14 years ago, I played against Phil and uh, several of the models he used, he recent he had painted in a Nurgle theme. Ah. And he completely stripped them and went for... Um, yeah, so he was doing a, a whole new army as a project, yeah. And I think that's a great way, great way to foster togetherness and just getting a sense of community because then you have ample time to plan, purchase, and sort of start working on a theme of your army. Yeah, sure. And then afterwards, you've, you've got a really nicely painted army and you can be like, right, now I can use this for a while. And uh, they've, they've continued playing 6th edition down at the local club that he's a member of. Uh, so that's good to see as well. Awesome. Sort of like uh, a perfect entry event as well, to just get into 6th edition. Say again? It's sort of a great way to start up a 6th edition army, because you can just build on that. The first 1,500 points, and they go up to 2,500, and then you can even have a Storm of Magic event. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree, yeah. Maybe not with the Storm of Magic, but I agree with the uh, idea of building up the army. <laughs> Yeah, it's basically a, a lord choice, and then you're up to 2,000. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, oh yeah, so Nicholas and I have this thing where basically 2,000 points is basically just 1,500 with a lord, uh, so you, you probably should have more points if you're going to do a, a bigger army. But anyway, yeah. Um, I disagree. I play vampire accounts. 2,000 points is two lords. Done. Then you summon your army. <laughs> I have two lords at 2,000 points. Yeah. You have two lords. One is 1,000 points. The other one is 1,000 points. Then you summon <laughs> skeletons for three rounds. Yeah, I know, but you don't have the character slots. You only get one lord at 2,000. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Master plan has failed. Yeah. <laughs> Foiled again. So, like, That's why I was doing foils. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody shows up day one. Did you, like, have a draw or a special format or... Okay, yeah, so, uh, yeah, on to the tournament itself. So, um, I originally wanted to do four games, uh, and then after my games with Nicholas, I realized that 6th um, edition, 1,500 points was longer than I was expecting or remembered, and so we decided to cut it to three games of 1,500, 
and one game of 500 points. And I thought the 500 points game would be good to kind of get players that might not have played sixth edition for ages, get them kind of back in a little bit easier with only a couple of units to move around. Yeah, that uh, sounds like a great idea. Uh, so, oh, Nicholas, what are you going to say? Oh yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say that, that it worked really well with the five hundred point games. That you can just like get the hang of just basic movement and wheeling and stuff like that if you haven't done it in a while. Would you say that most of the people had like a, a very good grasp of sixth edition, or was it a lot of like let's uh, let's have a look in the book because I haven't done this in twenty years and uh, I've forgotten a lot of things. Uh, say it was about oh half and half maybe. Nicholas, yeah. what did you think? Yeah, I think like the the people who had a firm grasp of the rules had a firmer grasp of eighth edition and sixth edition, and then there were the guys that hadn't really played it in a while, but kind of knew sixth edition better than any other edition. Yeah, because when when we played last, it was yeah, it was the first time in what fifteen years, something like that, that I played sixth edition, and there was a lot of edition bleed, and just straight up, I, I have to look this up in the book because I have no idea how this works anymore. Yeah. And there was an instant where I had to ask people, how is this combat resolution going for me? Because I can't really calculate who is winning this combat. And somehow they kept telling me, are you a cheater? Are you cheating? Because I won every time asked, and I didn't really know why. And they felt like I was being a classical capital asshole about it, because I'm probably capital and an asshole. But it's really hard to remember what gives you combat resolution bonuses and not, because that switches between you, between editions. Uh, so this is where being more of a purist is your is is your friend because uh, I only played sixth a lot, a little bit, and then eighth I only played like two games or something like that. Yeah, so that helps. I didn't have any of that kind of. Um, oh wait, that was a different edition. Sorry, so I didn't have any of that. So that was good. Um, I didn't play a lot of eight. I did play some of it, but also I gotta say that just like the practice games that we had before, even if we had like five games maybe that helped a lot like the first game you have no idea what you're doing second game is like still basically have no idea what you're doing but the third game you kind of have a grasp of yeah yeah so, so games before was really helpful yeah, so the 500 point game was there to kind of break people in a bit easier and um uh, one of the guys on the tournament who, who ended up having to cancel actually he didn't actually make it um, but he had suggested we use the Border Patrol rules, which were in White Dwarf, I think. Um, but you can you can Google Border Patrol Warhammer Fantasy and you'll get it up. And um, yeah, those are really, really good. They kind of stop people doing like a really um, crappy 500 point army. So like Nicholas and I did 500 points without that. And he just took all his uh, uncle cavalry yeah. archers yeah. and... Yeah, you can, you could say how this ended. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of did it, like, just to prove a point, because I asked, like, should we do the Border Princess, uh, or, like, not the Border Princess, the, the Combat Patrol rules, that you have to have some restrictions, you have to have some infantry, and you're like, oh, let's just try, just take whatever you want, and then I just light cavalry and just moved around like avoid i was playing like a wood elf like avoiding and shooting arrows yeah and he so he was just running away and uh like the only luck i had was if when he uh, fled from my charges 
the, the luck was whether he would make his rally uh, <laughs> afterwards. Um, and, you know, most of the time he did because he had a musician in there because he's a smart boy. So, um, yeah, it wasn't fun. And so after that, I was like, yeah, we'll definitely use these Border Patrol rules. <laughs> First of all, I love the um, age shaming of Nicholas. It's always appropriate. <laughs> he is a clever boy. Well, I had to, uh, the Border Patrol rules were the things I had to actually bend the most because um, when they were made, not all the armies had been released yet. So, for instance, ah, okay. ogres weren't in there. So uh, there were some restrictions which ogres just couldn't match, like to can only be 125 points max and ogre characters start at 130. Um, so... Yeah, there were some things that had to go around. Oh, and they, they forgot to put... Um, said that vampire counts could specially use a vampire thrall as general, um, but they forgot all about uh, Dogs of War, and Dogs of War have to have... Yeah, the paymaster. ...and a general, so, yeah. yeah, so I had to, like, allow the Dogs of War player to use two characters. Um, so, yeah, there was, some, there was a few things, but it was a good... It was a good idea to use those and we did capture for the first scenario which is just you put an objective in the middle and whoever's closest to it at the end but the game ends uh on a variable dice roll after the fourth turn so it could keep going on forever until it reaches well not forever but like eight or nine turns yep uh, you had to step in and, and play actually because we ended up with an uneven number okay yeah so uh, I wrote this massive post about the entire day um, the day before I'd been running around uh, setting up the hall uh, for like several hours putting all the scenery out and like and the one thing that I was really keen to do was not play I really didn't want to play um <laughs> Because I was like, I'm no, I'm not going to be able to collect scores, deal with rules, queries, you know, get all this going together and play. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the guys uh, crashed into his house, <laughs> and he, he sent me pictures. Uh, I couldn't believe it until he, I saw the pictures. Um, and yeah, so he was like, I'm waiting for the police to show up. And I was like, Oh right, I guess you're not coming then. <laughs> well, that's oh, a reasonable shit. excuse. No, that's the only reasonable excuse from here on out. If anybody's like, I'm sick, or like, my child is leaking fluids, like I usually say when I bail, you should be like, listen, I'll accept someone crashing into your house with a car. That's it, okay? I'm well, coming, no. Well, so I'd gone to bed at like half past midnight, because I'd only left the venue at midnight. And I spent ages trying to get to sleep, be like, I've got to get to sleep. And all that was running through my head was like all these different scenarios about people not showing up, people breaking down on the motorway, um, like my child like having to go to hospital and me having to just be like, guys, sorry, I can't come. Look, do whatever you like. That's all set up. Um, and then... Uh, after I, I then had I woke up at five, stupidly checked my phone, and one of the players um, had messaged me at ten to three in the morning, oh, saying, oh, I'm, "I'm so sorry, I can't finish painting my army. Is there anything I could do?" And I was just like, "Just come. You won't win best painted, but just come." <laughs> and then an AM, this guy texts me and is like, "I can't make it. A car's crashed into my house." And I was just like, Stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, so the day had a, a rocky start, and then 
so then loads of people were arriving really early when I arrived at the venue. Like people walked in at about 8.20 and they weren't supposed to arrive till 9.15. Um, so yeah, I was trying to, you know, do 500 things while saying hello to people. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, thankfully, uh, one of the guys turned up a bit late. So I was going to play him 500 points, but I managed to get someone else who had already finished their 500 point game to play him instead. And then I joined in with the second game. So yeah, that's how that's how the day was playing out so far. <laughs> um, yeah. And then uh, the second game was Pitched Battle, the good old classic. Um, and I was playing Beastman and um, the guy who... Uh, played the beastman he he had painted his army specifically for uh he wanted like for the tournament he wanted to get back into uh painting and so he, his army was beautiful but he hadn't really played warhammer at all like not even eight he, he hadn't played anything um so it really was a kind of baby steps learning game for him um and so it was great for me you know i just uh focused on mowing down the the endless <laughs> yeah you you, you tell the 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 good people listening what you were playing as well uh oh yeah okay so my army is an empire kind of gun line uh, uh, i like to re- taste and culture well i like to refer We've been to the culture a, all day <laughs> i refer to it as my napoleonic army because i've deliberately gone with infantry that are rifles you know hand gunners and then you have to have light cavalry and heavy cavalry if you're going to do this properly and then you have to have artillery and that's a napoleonic army yeah. so oh yes so, uh, yeah. napoleon's hellblasters and uh, <laughs> wizards are renowned through history <laughs> oh well at least i took an engineer <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, so I had uh, so yeah, I had a cannon and mortar and a hell blaster, two units of hand gunners with detachments of hand gunners, uh, <laughs> a unit a unit of knights of the inner circle, a unit of knights of the white wolf, and a unit of pistoliers. Yeah. Uh, two yeah. and a wizard, a wizard, an engineer, and my general was a warrior priest. But yeah. I've literally had nightmares that start like that. I mean, jeez. <laughs> you, you just hate the undead, or did 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 we do something wrong? Jeez. And it's not like well, the yeah. didn't have any good ranged fighting either. That could not have gone well for him. Poor man. <laughs> no, it didn't go well. And it was even worse because he hadn't played like at all before. So, you know, he was doing things like declaring charges which were clearly not gonna make it. Um and so, you know, after he he did he did two at the at the crucial point, he did a couple of charges which you know weren't going to make it and uh, when they both failed then i just charged in with my guys and kind of that was that was going to be the end of the game there but he did have some fun his ambush um his ambush didn't really work out uh because he kind of split the units um between he should have like piled them all together and but he, he kind of split them up and i was able to take out one and his other one didn't really do much damage um but the the fun was he had this beautiful uh gorgon um, i think it's a gorgon the big kind of bull giant thing in the um oh, yeah. in eight. The newer one yeah it's yeah. got a funny name gorgon or cygor 
Okay. Well, Jabba so was... No, no, that one, that one, he <laughs> was. <know. laughs> no, it wasn't the Jabba slide. Um, yeah, he was using that as a chaos giant, and uh, he managed to charge my engineer uh, and failed to. Oh, and managed to hit him with the club, and then rolled a one for the number of hits. Uh, so I took one wound, uh, and then. My engineer had a repeater pistol, so that was four attacks back and uh, managed to do a wound on the giant um, and then managed to then stay in the combat. And then the following round, uh, which was the last round because of timing, um, he uh, decided to jump up and down on the engineer and promptly fell over. <laughs> uh, Poor guy. <laughs> That was awesome. So yeah, so that that was a fun that was a fun game, but um, I felt I felt really bad at the end of it because because uh, but at least he learned a lot, and then he, he did do really well in the next game. So you know he'd obviously learned quite a lot from that. Um, but yeah, then we had then we had lunch, and um, oh, one of the great helps on the day was the guy who runs the Warhammer Fantasy Battle Sixth Edition Facebook group. Um, who his name online is Ergo. Um, he had come along to observe and kind of see some good games. And he brought a load of food with him to like make sandwiches. So he spent like the first hour of the day making, you know, about a hundred sandwiches. So awesome. that was amazing. That's great. Yeah. Hero. So you should, and you should name like an award or like a banner bearer or like a general after him. Well, yeah, probably. Did yeah. he carry well, real... 15 revolvers? Because then I've got a name for your engineer. <laughs> well he's he's actually got i don't want to i don't want to give away his name he told me his real name you know he wasn't shy about telling people on the day but i don't know if i should reveal it online because he obviously no, or you'll have power happened. over him you've said backwards well, we'll cast <laughs> yeah, him back exactly. to the east coast of england bind him but which his, is true name thou has bind him and his power is yours he has got a really good name for like you know it's it's more of an oldie English name so it would fit perfectly. Um, so yeah, I think I, I think I probably will name a character after him. Yeah, is it Egbert? Um, Egbert again? Egbert? <laughs> no, it's not that old. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, right. so then everyone, everyone had lunch. Um, Nicholas, why don't you tell us how you were doing after the first two games? Yeah, so uh, actually you had rolled up the, the games like the, a few days before the event. Uh, so you did like a live uh, video. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, matching yeah. People up. Uh, so yeah, I was going to be faced with uh, Slanesh Chaos, Chaos Warriors, or Reports of Chaos. So I was really excited about that. Because uh, you did like matchups like good versus evil the first rounds, did you? Yeah, yeah. So because it was going to be random, I thought we might as well make it um, good versus evil rather than having like wood elves playing wood elves. Um, so, so yeah, I did. Uh, I split everyone up, and luckily, like by some massive fluke, because uh, we we had twenty four people in the end, twelve of them were kind of classically evil armies, and then ten of them were good, and then we had ogres and dogs of war, which I just put in with the good guys, um, and so we had a nice nice way we could match up the first five hundred point game. Yeah, that is very very cool. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah nice and good matches. <laughs> so uh, I, I was faced with the, the chaos. Uh, slanish. Uh, so yeah, of course, I was playing Kislev, so I had two units of Ungol horse archers, a unit of lancers, and uh, ten Kossar infantry. Uh, and he had a unit of knights, uh, like a ten man unit of warriors, and a five man, five dog unit of uh, 
hounds. <clears throat> so we were playing on this like desert mat with these two big features on it. Uh, this is like a, a middle way, and then on either side of that were like two blocking pieces, so there you could go around and flanks of those. So you could either go left, center, or right. Uh, and he had three units, and he put like the the warriors and the knights to go in the middle to take the objective and the hounds on one of the flanks. And I put my horse archers on the flanks and uh, the lancers and the cossars in the middle. Uh, so the game started with, I had first turn, I shot at his warhounds with my uh, horse archers on the one flank and the other ones rode up to the flank of the knights and started shooting them. Did nothing, and the crosshairs didn't do anything. I think I killed like one warhound. And then he advanced, and on my turn, I shot some more arrows. I killed a knight, and I killed yeah. enough of the yeah. hounds to to make them flee flee away. Um, I might have even killed two knights. I can't remember at this point. And then uh, he charged with his knights against my crosshairs. Crosshairs stood and shot at him, did nothing. And then he barely killed anyone. I think he killed like two maybe oh, man. and then my cossars held the line which was very big so are they, they stood... stubborn right no they're not are they only stubborn when there's a boyar yes so the boyar gives stubborn to any unit in your joints actually uh, okay. are they are they strength six or strength five the cossars yeah uh five Okay. All right. Yeah. So unlikely to do any wounds. Yeah. I, I don't think they did anything back. But then on my turn, I was able to charge the lancers into the knights who were still stuck in combat, and it was I did a flank charge on those guys and just uh, ran the entire unit down. I think I killed like because the yeah I had my boyar in there. I killed like two or three, uh, probably two, <laughs> if even that. But because of combat resolution, I won, and he broke off, and I chased him down with the lancers. Mm -hmm. And at this point, my horse archers were behind his warriors now. They were going into the middle, uh, and they started firing away. I think I killed, like, three guys that turn with just arrows. And then it was just positioning my lancers again. Then I did, like, a rear charge with the Ungols that were behind them. Uh, since he had been, like, decimated, he had, like, two guys in his back rank. So I charged in against those guys, so he couldn't really hit back with a lot of... A lot of guys, so that won me that combat, and I think the game ended there. He still hasn't cares where he's left, but the game ended, and I was standing on the objective. So it's a, a win for Kislev. Yeah, really great game, great great opponent. Really like playing him. Uh, he had like that mm -hmm. in later games. He had like this spine beast, like giant spawn thing from uh, oh, the Fortress model. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was the Fortress model. Yeah. And so, yeah, he, he had painted that. Like, I remember that from when I was, like, 14, and he painted it in Nurgle really, really well. Like, I was amazed that he decided that, oh, no, I'm just going to strip all of that off and paint it again as Slanesh, because it was really well done. Um, so, yeah, so that, that you know, Forgeworld was there on the day. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you a question to you, Joe? Yeah. I saw from one of the pictures that you made like unique name badges for everyone with their army picture on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is the question why? <laughs> <laughs> well, like, how? How do you get that idea? That's an amazing way to get to know each other's names and also like what they're playing. Yeah. Yeah. Really so good. back in August, when um, there was a lot of interest with the with the, the tournament, you know, there was I had. I had uh, 20 people join the tournament like straight away. And then there was about another 30 that had said they were interested that were on the event. Um, and I just had been to a Lord of the Rings uh, doubles tournament um, before in 
like July or the beginning of August or something. And I found it really hard to remember people's names, especially when it came to doing best painted or most sporting. Um, you just you have to kind of discuss with the event organizer and try and point them out without being too obvious because everyone knows you're voting for best painted and you're like pointing at different people in the room. Um, so, so uh, yeah, I thought one of the best things to do would be make some name badges. And then I got the idea of just making it really Warhammer themed by doing people's armies on and stuff. Um, and yeah, it was, it, some of the badges were a bit, um, they didn't hold together as well as I hoped. Uh, I could have glued them, I guess, but I hadn't, I hadn't done that. But yeah, I think it worked out quite well. Yeah, it was great. It was really good also when you were matched up with someone, like, oh, you're playing this guy, and then you kind of look around the room and, oh, there's that guy, and then you look at his badge, like, oh, you're playing this army. Cool. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, just right. great. It also yeah. led to, like, yeah, well, image loading for the high elf players from the, the moment you enter the locale. <laughs> Yeah, I guess it takes, I mean, I didn't want to take away too much from people's conversations of, you know, like, what are you playing? Oh, high elves. Oh, okay, you're that guy. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I, think, I think it worked out pretty well. And it let me, some people were, got really into it. They're like, uh, oh, don't give me, um, oh, what's the guy's name? Not Vlad, the other crappy one. Conrad. Conrad. Uh, not Conrad. Uh, Manfred. Man Manfred. Manfred. Yeah, I'd, I'd originally done the vampire guys with Manfred, and uh, one of the players heavily objected to this. Um, <laughs> he was like, "I've never done Manfred, Brand. Give me Vlad now." And I was like, "Okay." So I, I, I gave him a, a Vlad picture instead, and he was very happy. So oh, yeah, people entered into the spirit thing. You should have just given him like a Strigoi vampire. Oh, you don't want to be Manfred? Cool, I've got a backup here. Homeless hobo <laughs> vampire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well all of this was possible because i planned it really far in advance so i could like put in all this work on on like the back i i had to, yeah one of the things that fell a bit flat was uh i put in a lot of effort to try and get some music of the same era as sixth edition so i was kind of like yeah i saw that the playlist you were doing yeah, yeah. So I was getting into a nostalgic feel of like, what would have guys been listening to when they were playing Sixth Edition from 2000 to 2006? And I and I wanted to keep it kind of with a fancy feel. So I was going for like computer games and films that people would have watched, like Gladiator and um, King Arthur and you know things like that. Uh, Lord of the Rings, obviously. Um, uh, but yeah, on the day, because I was playing games and doing rules and things like that, I, I kind of abandoned the music. Like it was on, but it wasn't really like, I wasn't really selecting things as I had envisioned. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so Nicholas, your second game, your, what was your second? Yeah, the one of the like most unusual matchups must have been back then as well. Uh, Kislev versus Chaos Dwarves. <laughs> That's a, a strange Oh yeah. Matchup, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it was a lot of fun. Like when we were setting up to play, and people were like, like gathering, like, "Oh, wow, that's so cool! It's a crazy yeah, matchup." Because, yeah, the army no one plays against the army no one's heard of. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you work out which is which. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, we started deploying stuff. Uh, we had like a, a great chaff war because I like I usually have all my own goals to set up like wherever I want, and then they can just run off wherever they want later, so it doesn't really matter. And just let the enemy deploy their main force. So I know where to attack. But he had so many units of hobgoblins. They were just like 
Did he use the the Tamarcan book or the uh, Ravening Horse book? Uh, Ravening Horse. Oh, yeah, come on, guys. Well, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, Tamarcan. No, yeah, it doesn't exist. There's no, <laughs> it's there's that late. There. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Niklas, Niklas has stolen mine, so I, I don't know how, uh, you know, what era it's supposed to be. Yeah, they're yeah, in the okay. revenue hordes. I don't know. People, uh, so I've heard people say that the, that book is lackluster, like revenue hordes with the chaos tours. But I mean, at least they have lords, their own magic items, rare choices, more than one special unit. So come on. <laughs> Uh, I know that if Jimmy was here, he would defend Ravening Hordes like to the bitter end alongside you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, we started deploying our chef and then we started deploying our main stuff. Uh, he deployed very defensively in one corner. Uh, he had a, so seeing from my side, going from left to right, and he had like almost all his army concentrated on the left side. So like a 20-man unit of Hobgoblins, a uh, 20-man unit of Chaos Dwarves, 20-man unit of uh, Black Orcs, and a 15-man unit of Blunderbusses. And they were like on the left side in that table quarter to the table edge, uh, towards the middle. And his mortar is kind of in the middle, to the left side of the middle. And in front of that, he had like three units of Hobgoblins just blocking the way. And then on the right side, he had left uh, two units of 10 uh, uh, Hobgoblin archers just to hold that table quarter. That's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I deployed my own goals kind of here and there on the back line. My Cossars to the far left, just holding that table quarter. Uh, two units of Lancers in the middle. The... Uh, just one regular Lancer and the Griffin Legion and one Lancer unit to the right uh, to try and swing around that flank. Uh, and I got first turn because he had more units than me. I got plus one. <clears throat> so I started off with making a daring shot with Bronzino and his Galarbo gun. Because uh, <clears throat> his uh, quick, the, the mortar thing, like when you fire it, uh, everything within 2d6 moves at half speed and can't fire the next turn. Uh, or if it's a yeah, one machine. It's dangerous stuff, yeah. Wow, yeah. really? Uh, yeah. Earth so like, cannon. Yeah, it's yeah, so this... massive earthquake and you can move. Uh, and also, like, uh, just before the game was starting, he was sitting and writing in a book. I was like, oh, is that your evil book of grudges or are you just doing Pythagoras? And then he showed me his book, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing Pythagoras. <laughs> what, exactly. Really? Classic. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly calculating where to drop those bombs. Like, oh, shit, well... It looks like we're going to have an artillery war. So I shot with Monsino, took a guess, made a perfect guess. The cannonball landed straight in front of the cannon, and then I rolled like a two or a four, I can't remember, but it only went across the cannon, not in crew. I was kind of hoping that just to do some damage to cannon and maybe kill a crew, and maybe they'll run away. Just took a, a gamble, and then I rolled to wound the cannon. I rolled a five, and I rolled D3 wound. Okay. Oh, yeah, I, actually, I have to uh, wound it on four up with the Broncinos, because it's only strength seven, because such a ten any caliber uh, so I rolled a 5 and then D3 wounds I rolled a 6 so ah, okay. we were both Perfect. like yeah. annihilation just quiet after that like okay how, well, can I just ask a, ask a question how do yeah. you guys feel about an opponent with a book uh, and doing maths before the game like that. I don't yeah, know. I think, no, I think it's fine. It would be worse if it was like taking pictures of the battlefield and using some kind of app to, to calculate it. If, you, if you're doing it like cool math style, like an engineer, 
on a piece of paper, then that's okay in my book. I personally am both shocked and abhorred that people are using mathematics in everyday accomplishments, and I find it distasteful, and actually it sickens me. I'd prefer if you did the honest, like, fake cheating thing when he held, like, an inch stick and pretended to hold it in the air, and he just went, hmm, hmm, yes, once again, I've forgotten how long two inches is, and then you sort of fake hold it over the table, and you're like, hmm, oh, no, no, I'm not pre-measuring, oh, oh, my, no, and then you put it away and sort of just glance. Well, you just leave it casually on the table. Yeah, no, you, you uh, pretend to be offended and you put it on the table. Like, I take objection at that. And then you just glance down like, oh, my, 12 inches. How did I guess? <laughs> well, I guess I like, I, I, I don't mind it at all. Uh, I could do it, but it just takes longer than just guessing. And also, it will Obviously throw, you don't throw need me it. off. Yeah, and it will throw me off my guessing game after that. It's just better to hone your skills uh, by just guessing. But also, like, they at least with cannons, they bounce. So it doesn't really matter if you guess, like, the, on the inch. It's still, like, those two dice rolls. Like, yeah, very, maybe with yeah, the stone through like, or stuff like that, it's, uh, it might be more useful, like, with the mortar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, his was obviously he can he can his one was a stone thrower type weapon, so you know he can get it exactly on that way. Uh, I I don't I don't know. Part of me is like, oh, you know, you've done something cool because that's what an engineer would do on the battlefield. They might draw up some calculations, and so part of me like salute that idea. But also part of me is like, hang on a second, you know, uh, you're using distances that no engineer would have because no one no one knows how far in they've marched like that. Um, but everyone knows that the engineers always pre-measure the battlefield before going out, putting out the <laughs> right. ranging sticks. Yeah, well, if it's uh, let's say the chaos horse are defending, then they would have measured out the distance before. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be uh, like a piece maybe. of shit here, but there is historical consent for that because way back when England had longbows, there's one battle, I can't remember which one, they left colored sticks in the ground yeah. and then retreated just to have a measure for longbow. And during the Napoleonic era, I know that both Napoleon and later on Frederick the Great did that. They pre-measured yeah. out in the field. Uh, yeah, I think as long, yeah, as long as it doesn't like slow down the game. If I'm like, hey, it's your turn, it's like, yes, just 20 minutes while I calculate... <laughs> Tanginess, whatever it's called by it anyway. Well, I, I don't yeah. mind it, but anyway, it was for naught. It was destroyed first turn, and after that, we were both like kind of thinking, all right, well, we know how this game is going to go now. Because after that, like, I had total control of the table. Like, all my horsemen could just ride around wherever they wanted without fear of being crushed by massive exploding shells or being slowed down by earthquakes. Yeah, and so I guess the earth, earthquake slowing slowing you down would have been the biggest hit to your cavalry army, actually, because that would really have messed up your charges. So yeah. yeah. So and so after that, like he had he had his castle, but he didn't really have a lot of stuff to shoot out from his castle. So it's just it was just kind of me picking off Shaft and just probing him and trying to find some some places to attack. Uh, on the right flank, the two Lancer units just swept away as bowmen, kind of controlled that table side. Uh, he had his uh, wizard who was throwing like conflagration of doom left and cent- left, right, and center. It was crazy. That spell can do a lot of damage if you're lucky. Yeah, if uh, you keep rolling higher, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, especially against Kislev. Like magic shooting and just magic damage or shooting at all. Stuff that damaged me from afar. It's just the bane of my existence with Kislev. Uh But I did get some lucky charges. Like he uh, rotated his blunderbuss to 
able to stand and shoot against my Griffin Legion. So I charged him with some Ungols in the flank first, so he couldn't do stand and shoot. Uh, and just ran those guys down. Uh, and they overran into the unit of Black Corks and killed like, the entire front rank. So I had some lucky rolls oh, like nice. them, for sure. Uh, and also the, the cannon, not only did he kill like the, the his mortar in the first turn, second turn he shot and got a perfect shot in the Black Corks and killed four of them. Just like all of the guys that they covered. And the third turn, when he rotated his blunderbuss unit, he shot straight through that line and killed five of those guys. So it's just <laughs> great shooting from Rosino that game. Uh, after that shot, I was like, better not shoot anymore. Or I'll just roll a misfire and a one and they'll all be gone. <laughs> uh, so on the right flank, things were going good. Uh, but in the middle, he still held firm. And then on the left flank, he tried to move in with some hobgoblins. Uh, I charged that 20-man unit of hobgoblins with my costars to the front and ungols to the side. And the costars on the charge are really scary. Great weapons. Striking first. So they kill like entire front rank and the ungols killed some guys on the side. He didn't get, a, get his rank bonus, so they just ran those guys down. But in the end, like I had killed mostly his crap units, like a lot of hobgoblins. I did kill the quick mortar and the blunderbuss unit gave me a lot of points. But his like main units, the black orcs, were at fifty percent, and his uh, chaos dwarf warriors were still just un- untouched. So still a lot of points. But in the end, I won by three hundred and fifty points, I think. Uh, so it was a solid victory. Great. Joe, what what school of magic did you run? Uh, well, heavens, because heavens is awesome. Because um, it's a sweet, sweet roll. Right, I, I'm going to give away like my the most awesome, awesome use of heavens uh, for Empire and the Hellblaster, which is basically well for any artillery. Um, in sixth edition, the base spell second sign of the mole lets you have D3 rerolls of any D6. Okay. In later editions, they said, oh, it had to be ward saves or armor saves or to hit or to wound rolls. But in sixth edition, it was any D6. And so I worked out that you could, therefore, whenever you get a misfire, although you can't re-roll the artillery dice, you can re-roll that one that blows up your artillery. Um, and get a six. Else. Yeah. And in a hell, exactly, on a hell blaster, if you get a six, it's actually a really good thing because it does the maximum amount of shot. Um, so, so I, so basically the wizard is there really as an engineer because he's there <laughs> to, uh, to stop the artillery blowing itself up. Um, and then if he, and then heavens usually has quite a few damage spells. So his other spell is just to kind of do some more, some more, um, damage. And, but in my last game, he, uh, well, we'll get to my last game later. Okay. <laughs> Jens, 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 don't you listen to this madness. Okay. <laughs> you don't need, you don't, you don't need that. Okay. Okay. You don't need none I of that. I can't afford one anyway. No, yeah, you don't need any of that. My only hope against Jens <laughs> and Empire is him blowing himself up, okay? That's my strategy. Mind luck. Jens, don't you listen to the bad man. <laughs> I'm still going to roll a well, big fire and explode, so it's fine. Okay, okay. Well, <sighs> against, uh, against Nicholas, it's particularly brutal because he can't really dispel stuff very well with Kislev. So, at all. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, I, I'm just like, in the magic phase, I just do my worst, and and uh, he just has to suck it up. But yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, after this we had lunch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we had lunch. So yeah, it was really nice of uh, Ergo. 
mystery man to do all those sandwiches. Uh, mm-hmm. So he didn't really have to go anywhere. He stayed there and just perused the, the shop that was there as well. Yeah. Oh, maybe I should talk about that now. Um, so um, this just goes to show how 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 uh, things start to snowball when you start running an event and how many people are still interested in 6th edition and, um, you know, looking out for um, ways to, to play it still and stuff. So um, a shop that in the local area had started maybe six months before um, and they were just online uh, called Rogues Gaming and uh, they got in contact with like, is there any scope to set up a stall and, um, you know, sell some stuff and things? And I just said, yeah, you know, if you want to come along and you can um, put something in the prize pool for the winners, then yeah, go, go for it. And so they they brought along all their secondhand miniatures and he had hundreds. Uh, the guy worked for Games Workshop for 10 years as a guy called Mark. And um, yeah, he had loads of miniatures. I, I never got to look, one of the great regrets from the day is I never got to look at the store very much because um, I was doing so many things. But uh, Nicholas, what, what you bought something, I think, what did you get? Uh, yeah, I got something for uh, Christopher, actually, some vampires. Uh, and then I got uh, this dwarf, uh, old Longbeard champion, like a fourth edition Longbeard champion guy with a big, big hammer and he's pointing. It's really nice. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, yeah, but, but yeah, yeah, tons of stuff. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I mean, like loads of episodes, loads of um, uh, magazines, White Dwarfs. Um, yeah, there was, there was, yeah, it was incredible the amount of stuff you had there. Um, and they had a card machine as well. So, yeah. you know, it, there was no excuse. People, you know, people definitely spent quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's like my bane um, because when we when we go to like cons, there's always like this legendary retro store that seems to be just follow me and Nicholas because we're obviously bringing them through college or something, and they always have like <laughs> forbidden secrets and arcane items from sixth edition and fourth edition and like epic and battlefield gothic and everything. Yeah. So I am. Yeah. Here. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. And so they, the people were looking through the store at lunch. Um, and then, uh, oh, yeah, just back on the magic for a second. Uh, one of the rules I'd stipulated is that you couldn't change your law of magic between games. I wanted the list fixed. So you couldn't say, oh, my wizard is law of heavens. Oh, now he's law of fire in the next game. So um, that kind of uh, made people think carefully when they did their lists, I think, on that. Um, um, so then we got on to the third game, which was uh, Breakthrough. Breakthrough is where you have an attacker and a defender, and the attacker has to get a third of their army points into the defender's deployment zone. And so that's 500 points for this game. Uh, so I uh, drew against the dwarves, and luckily I won the role to decide who is attacker and who is defender. And, <laughs> and so I guess what you chose. <laughs> and so those those dwarfs were in for a long march across the board. <laughs> oh, oh, geez. <laughs> It actually turned out to be a really close game because um, nearly everything that could go wrong after that initial roll started to go wrong. So being dwarves, he had more than enough dispel dice to stop me rolling my um, D3 re-rolls with my wizard. And so then the Hellblaster blew up and the mortar blew up (laughs) and the cannon 
the cannon was like dueling. He had two bolt throwers and an organ gun. And I was my plan was to use the cannon to like take out some of his artillery. And I, I hit the bolt thrower, wounded him, and then rolled, I get to roll D6 wounds. I only need three. I roll a two. Oh. <laughs> and of course. Because he, he didn't lose any crew. It's like I've done nothing, basically, <laughs> even though there's a cannon that's lodged in it and then so then i <laughs> aimed for the orchid gun started the dwarf step. engineering yeah ex- yeah exactly. he'll be all right they said hit- swigging some beer <laughs> i hit the organ gun roll to wound yeah wounded d6 wounds a two again <laughs> <laughs> so uh so i was pretty miffed that the cannon basically did nothing for the game as well um and so yeah i, I was picking off his guys left right and center with the handgunners but he was slowly advancing and uh, basically he got three units into my deployment zone and I was I positioned my knights just over four inches behind my handgunners so they wouldn't panic when the handgunners got defeated. And um, you've got to think of these things. Uh, and uh, the handgunners held like a whole unit of dwarves <laughs> to charge them. And managed to do like hardly anything. And they needed, I think I needed a four for the handgunners to stay. And I rolled a four. Um, so like all my plans seemed to be falling apart. And then finally the handgunners broke and he over, he pursued into my night. And very, very luckily I managed to thrash that unit and um, wipe it off the board. And then the game ended. And uh, basically if I hadn't got rid of that unit, he would have won it. So it was a very lucky win in the end yeah mm. uh Nick, nicholas what was your breakthrough uh, game like i was playing against tim and his high elves uh and he had like a, a high elf cavalry army so that was very interesting uh so he had three units of cavalry two great eagles units of sword masters yeah well they were no match for ungol horse archers they're like <laughs> <laughs> he said with a grim satisfaction (laughs) they're like the best unit to take out great eagles like they they have nothing put up against them he's ballistical four riding right next to them just shooting them down it's so good I shot shot one of them down just in one round of shooting with a five man unit crazy but yeah I I ended up losing that game. He did like some really nice cavalry maneuvers, supported by uh, Fury of Kane, just shooting two d6 strength four magic missiles at me every turn, which Ouch. is the bane of my existence. This is the worst thing. Like, and it's the same as uh, warp lightning. It's just I I can't do anything about it, and they just delete units of horse archers or just lancers because I I, yeah, I get a like, four up save can't defend he, against he, um I've posted all the lists on Facebook, but uh, the high elf list was particularly juicy in terms of he had um, a commander and two mages, um, but the commander he had given that um, you can give him a uh, trait which makes him a wizard. So the commander yeah. was a wizard and the mages were wizards. And I think he even had uh, the Ring of the, Fury in there. Yeah. So he gets a book of Cain. Uh, book of Hoeth as well and like a banner. So I think he had like Paradise. Uh, and, I and you had your juicy to dispel yeah. eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably the worst magic um, matchup. But uh, I was matching people up who had uh, good one all their games so Nicholas had won both games and he had won both games so they were going to meet at some point 
Yeah, it ended up being a good good loss though. Uh, it was a really good game, a lot of fun to play. Uh, I did deploy some stuff in the wrong place as well, so I have myself to blame. Also, Broncino having a super good game the second game. This this time, uh, first shot was a misfire and a six, so nothing happened. Second shot was a misfire, six again, nothing happened. Third shot was like the perfect shot of his like uh, silver helms with his commander in it. Stopped right in front of the unit, and then I rolled this die of faith, and it was a misfire. Got stuck in the ground. So and he must have forgotten to pay his uh, his fee. Yeah. <laughs> Or buy him gunpowder or something. So that that shot could really have changed the game, but it got stuck in the mud, and that was it. I, I guess it was uh, you. You did really well the previous game, so the dice gods were were coming yeah. back. To... Yeah, and he did really good with magic. The game against me, and then the, the last game he had like really shit luck with magic. Ah, right. So same for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your last game? Uh, yeah, so my last game was against the dreaded Dark Elf City Garrison. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'd had I'd had uh, one of the things back in August when I'd set the thing up. Um, I kind of like said to myself, you know, this is bringing back sixth edition. So anything that is sixth edition, you've got to allow it because this is all about bringing back sixth edition in all its glory, but also all its ugliness and its little quirks and and its little bits, which is like, uh huh, that's sixth edition. So, you know, and I'm, I for one, I'm a player who does that. I mean, Second Sign of a Mole was clearly not meant to start Hellblasters rolling sixes, but um, that's what I use it for. Um, uh, and uh, so, you know, that's Sixth Edition. So, yeah, he had asked to do, um, to use the, the Dark Elf City Garrison, and it was official rules in Sixth Edition. Um, so I said, yeah, you can use it. And I, the only stipulation I meant was, uh, I gave him was, uh, you can't take six bolt throwers. I say, I'm gonna limit, <laughs> I'm gonna limit you to, I'm gonna limit you to four bolt throwers. And he, he was like, oh yeah, I was only gonna take four anyway. So I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> Um, and to be so, to be fair, I I think I don't think the army is that strong. Um, I think it's just really strong if you're not versatile enough. Um, and the reason, one of the reasons that uh, well, we were on similar wins and losses. So I was like, oh, I can play him because I've I've been doing quite well because my game against the dwarfs had ended up with a win for me. So I'd won two. And he'd won two as well. Um, so, yeah, I thought, well, I'll play him. And then, you know, that way I'm not inflicting him on someone else. And, uh, and, and, and then also I have a gun line. So I was like, well, it'll be my guns versus him. We'll see how, we'll see how this works out. Um, and it was, it was harsh. <laughs> I was, I mean, he, he deployed, he had four bolt throwers. One was in the middle. Two were on the right hand side. One was on the left hand side. And I have two units of night, um, and I was like, I can't move them. If I move them forward, I'm going to get a bolt right down the flank, like through four or five knights. And so my knights just had to sit there at the back. <laughs> just like, be like, 
this is fun as he just like shot bolts in the front killing like one or two with each bolt um the first the first turn he he kind of uh he destroyed the pistoliers on the first turn like all four of them shot at the pistoliers uh, and wiped them off the board uh, but that was really he was really clever it was really tactical because that exposed my flank and then he sent his chaff round i deployed my pistoliers to take out his chaff which was um harpies and uh that allowed him to bring his harpies round to threaten my war machines so he he played it really well um all props to, to him on, on like dissecting how he was going to deal with my gun line he did it he did it really well uh i managed to i managed to destroy one of the bolt throws from my cannon the mortar was a dead loss it didn't seem to like do anything um but the the hero of the day was the wizard because i had rolled uh i'd rolled comet of cassandora uh-huh. so like, uh, the mobile armies. Right. Well, so uh, I put the comet down. Um, I cast it on my first turn. I put it down in the center of his army, right in front of a bolt thrower. And I was like, yes, that'll definitely get one. And he was then forced to move his, um, he had the city garrison crossbow units. He had to move them forward. And so that brought them into range of my handgunners. So <laughs> it was a really good, it was a really good move. Um, and so then we just started shooting at each other and, you know, lots of people died. But the thing was, this comet just wasn't showing up. Every beginning of each player's turn, I was like, oh, oh no, it's a two. Add another marker. Oh, oh no, it's a three. Add another marker. And it got to um, the fourth turn of the game. And remember, you roll it at the beginning of each player's turn. So it had five markers when it finally... The sixth, uh, you know, the sixth time we, I rolled, I rolled a five, and it was like, right, how many markers? Five markers. So it's d six times five inches. Um, and I rolled. I was prepared to roll a one and like hit bolt throw, and that was it. And I rolled a six. That was a thirty inch, <laughs> yeah. thirty inch range, which. Which, as Sod's Law would have it, you know, hit about four of my units, but it hit all of his, um, <laughs> and it killed it killed the remaining three bolt throwers, um, and it kind of decimated um, the two units of city garrison he had. So it'd gone from a game where he'd been doing so well, he'd been doing really well. Um, like I was, I was thinking, I'm definitely going to lose this. But suddenly, wow, we're back on even footing. Like he's got no bolt throwers. He's got like a couple of. He's got maybe like eight guys in each of his units left um, and I still had um, like five knights with my warrior priest and I still had about ten handgunners left I was like I can do this um, and so I started I started advancing with the warrior priest and uh, then he decided to get some vengeance with his wizard and he managed to intervene with um, his wizard and cast a, a spell on the knights which made the weapon skill one uh, and I was like that's fine I'll, uh, I'll dispel it you know um and uh I, I kept advancing and kept rolling to dispel this spell on an eight uh and i had one go with two dice nothing then it was my uh turn and i got three dice not not good enough and then another go with two dice and that and that was the decision time was um i had he'd done his final turn but I, like, I can charge in with my remaining two knights and my warrior priest into his unit of like five guys and uh his commander and i could i could charge in and try and like kill them off and if i do that i'm pretty sure i'll win or i can do nothing and just stand there and hopefully get a draw out of it and so every instinct in me was like well 
I don't play for a draw. I play to win. So I went in for the charge, rolled, tried to dispel in my magic phase, didn't manage to dispel it. So I had weapon skill one, <laughs> didn't hit anything. And then, you know, he did like one wound back or something, but it was enough to, to break me and then uh, was fleeing away for the final turn. So he got the table quarter. He managed to take the standard as well. Um, and uh, also, it, because that unit was fleeing, it didn't count for points. So I'd lost like 300 points off my total as well. So it went from being like, oh, this will be a draw maybe, or maybe a minor victory for him to a massacre. So that was um, <laughs> that was pretty annoying. But, you know, I, I considering that one of the stars had landed on the battlefield and saved the day, uh, I kind of couldn't really expect that much more of the dice to kind of save my bacon. So, yeah, I was kind of, I was, I was happy. I was happy at the, at the end of it. Um, and the army had done well. It did, you know, like the city garrison was basically nothing left at the end of the game. So uh, I thought, yeah, you can beat this one. But uh, I don't think I'll go for a 2,000 point army with city garrison. I think I'll ban it if I do 2,000 points or more. Too many bolt throws. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a nice game. I, I remember that game and saw the two lines like, "Holy shit, it's gonna be an interesting game." And then when, when I returned, it's like nothing left on the board. It was <laughs> it's total mayhem. That's not a meteor. That's a tactical nuke. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically. <laughs> it's beautiful because it just means that the necromancers win once again. Oh, you decimated one another. Hmm, let me raise my minions. <laughs> I also like your like classic Empire Knights just withdrawing from the battlefield to like drink brandy amongst one another and look down upon the peasants fighting in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, well they well, in reality they were sat on their horses just waiting for the next bolt to impale the guy next to them. Um but uh yeah, it, it was a kind of like that, oh about that time, eh, chaps, time to advance, eh? Oh, okay. And you know, they, they trotted off at the end once all the on you know, the, the huge comet had landed on the board. They're like, oh right, about that time, get stuck in. <laughs> yeah. How did it go with you, Nicholas? So my last game, I played against Wood Elves. I've heard a lot of uh, a lot of stuff against Wood Elves. They're hard hard to play. That they just avoid your army. Uh, I think Kislev is a really good army to to counter the the ways of the Wood Elves that they use. Like, avoid you with skirmish units and you move around your battle line uh but i formed my army like you put your hands together with your palms up and then you close them together you just like have a solid middle and then you just move up the flanks you just move in towards the middle with my lancers uh worked really well uh the middle part kind of broke apart with the cossars but they used uh and the ungos just kind of fled away and regrouped and just lured the dryads and tree men and all that stuff in and then it had several flank and rear charges with the the lancers these broke the wood because they get like they get no rank bonuses for being skirmishers so these lose by a lot if they actually get into combat mm. uh, and then i had this uh, this lancer unit with ivan uh who charged into like the the rear of a wood elf unit broke it and he had already captured a, a banner, uh, and then he was going to take another one from this unit. But if I did that, then he would get exposed to a, a flank charge by these wild riders. Uh, but then I thought, like, ah, whatever. He's stubborn. He can manage while I get some reinforcements, or just he'll just move to the side and start stabbing them. 
eventually he'll win the combat. Uh, so he did that, and of course he got short inside. Uh, they kill like one, I think, and I didn't kill anyone back. Uh, I passed my stubborn check, uh, and at the same time, the other lands in my unit were <clears throat> stuck into combat with some tree men, chased them off the board, so they were going to come back the next turn. They came on, uh, and Ivan and his unit was fighting against this unit. Uh, still, they were losing with combat resolution, like minus two or something. And I was like, oh, doesn't matter. You stubborn eight. Roll two fours. Perfect. Uh, and then next turn, I had to move in with the unit coming up from outside of the board and move around my Griffin Legion that had regrouped from fighting some dryads uh, swing around. So it's like they were in position now to, to charge. And meanwhile, he had charged with some war dancers into Ivan's unit as well. So they're really getting a bit anxious. They're going to take some casualties and they really need to, to hold this round for the other guys to sweep in and charge them. So they killed some wild riders. They didn't kill any war dancers. The war dancers killed like two guys from the lancer unit. Uh, and of course, I lost by a lot. So I had to roll a stubborn eight, rolled a six and a two. Perfect. <laughs> so the, the lancers charged in and just swept away what was left of his army. And it kind of coalesced into the middle to try and break Ivan and his unit, but it didn't manage. And then the reinforcements came and wiped the rest of his army away. Uh, so wow. that was a massacre for Kislev. Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a good that... way to end it, yeah. Yeah. That's just brutal. That's... Jeez, Nicholas. I'm getting cold sweats over here. Jedi. Why? Poor guy. He's like, I'm going to read my like friendly he... wood elves. Yeah, he, it sounds like he was playing them like how wood elves do, you know. Um, using several units to gang up on a unit. And then if he had killed Ivan's unit, they would have all like disappeared away into the trees and that flanking unit would have just been left there like going, where, where did everyone go? So yeah. it sounds like it, it was like that. Uh, you managed to hold on with the stubborn, you know, just long enough to, to for it to all to fall apart. For the, yeah. For the, uh, yeah, I was really lucky. He's totally in that combat. Uh, it was like funny... Th those two gambles that I made, like first shooting the, the Chaos Dwarf artillery piece, like, oh, don't worry, I got this. And then it happened. And then Ivan was like, also the super gamble, like, oh, don't worry, he'll hold like four leadership tests on Stubbornate. <laughs> he'll do it. And then it happens. So that was like, those two things were the, the just, <clears throat> I have those lucky rolls to thank for the, the end result, pretty much. Well, uh, a mounted. A mounted boyar is uh, much more powerful than a boyar on foot in terms of, I mean, if you, a stubborn infantry unit, you're like, okay, they're stubborn, so they can kind of hold that air of the battlefield. But with a mounted stubborn unit, you can go anywhere. So you can like, it's like a movable tar pit that's really fast moving. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah, I think Kissel is really good against Widows because I could kind of hold back and like, I could try and strike several units onto this one unit or just charge whatever unit with the Lancers because the Lancers would win like any combat against this unit. Mm -hmm. uh, and also the Ungols were really good that I also had like some high ballistic scale arrows flying his way. Mm -hmm. That was a really good game as well. So uh, then we went to, well, so then we had to total up all the scores and um, I'd put 
like a point system together. Oh, oh yeah, so, you, you got a yeah. I just want to say that, like, yeah, Hugo was with me, uh, a friend of mine. Uh, oh, yeah. He had done pretty good in his games as well. Uh, I think he won. I don't know if uh, he must have lost one of them. Uh, he won. He won two. He lost one. And he drew one. Yeah, so the last game he was playing next to me against the Slytherin army. And like you, you could tell that both, both of these guys were good, good warmer players. So they had like a really tough matchup against each other. And it was really exciting to see how that game was going. Uh, and yeah, that ended up uh, as a draw. And then they were talking like, oh yeah, I, had, I have this many points. So I think yeah, either of us is going to come in, in third or fourth place or something. And I thought that like I had some wins, but I didn't think that I would place so high. Oh uh, yeah, so for, well, Nicholas has given it away now. Um, <laughs> but I guess it's on, on Facebook. Um, so uh, there was one guy who was undefeated and he took first place and uh, he was a Wood Elf player, but not the one that Nicholas played, obviously. Um, and he his final match was against the High Elf player that uh, had beaten Nicholas. So basically after lunch, um, there was like maybe five or six players who were doing really well. And so I'd matched them all up together for the third game. And, and then Nicholas lost. And so the final game was the, the two guys which were kind of unbeaten against each other, the High Elves and the Wood Elves. But the, the High Elves lost so badly, they got massacred in the final game that um, he didn't, he, uh, the High Elf player didn't get into the top three um, because the point system I had put together was, you know, you got four points for a massacre, three points for a solid victory and two points for a minor victory and one point for a draw. And so when I totaled up those points, because he'd been massacred, um, well, because, yeah, because his victories hadn't been as high as some of the others, he didn't get into the top three. And neither did the two players, Hugo and um, I think it was Jonathan, who was the Lisbon player. They didn't make the top three either for the same reason they had uh, they'd hammered each other into a draw and that only got them one point each. Um, so they were just outside. I think they came like sixth and seventh or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the the winners were were the uh, Wood Elf player, and then second was the Dark Elf City Garrison. So um, when I made that fateful decision to charge rather than uh, try and go for a draw, uh, because he then massacred me, I basically handed him second place because um, uh, he would have been maybe like seventh otherwise. Uh, so yeah, but he played the game. So he played it really well. I was happy at the end of that game. And I'm glad I didn't think about, you know, the meta game. Oh, this guy's going to win second if I if I do this. Because that would have been an that would have been an awful move to just be like, I'm gonna I'm not gonna charge you because um even though there's a chance I could win, I think uh there's more of a chance you'll get a higher place in the tournament and I don't want that to happen. You know, that's an awful <laughs> thing to think. So uh, I just I just was glad I was focused so much on the game. I was just like, of course I'm gonna charge, that's the only way I can win. So um yeah. Uh, so he came second and then Nicholas was third uh, and then we did the votes for most sporting and best painted and a certain someone came in with best painted yeah yeah I did win best painted I'm just so so glad about that life goal for fulfilled uh, I was, I was really awesome I was really nervous when uh, like when I came there because there were some like really nicely painted armies there as well I've been thinking yeah, like that- like the the weeks leading up to it, like oh maybe I'll actually have a a shot finally at uh, like best painted army. Like I've never win that usually, but I put a lot of work into this army, and it like the the models are really nice. Uh, 
and then when I got there, like, holy shit, like these arms are really good looking. Maybe, maybe I won't have a chance after all. And then I kind of put up my army, and I kind of put like the the kiss of book right next to it to to create an atmosphere. And then like <laughs> I was thinking like, oh no, maybe I put them like on the wrong spot. Like they got the light coming in from behind them. You can't really see all of them. <laughs> location, <laughs> location, location. Yeah, like maybe I should put them towards the aisle. Now people have to walk around them. Maybe they'll miss it. So I was super nervous when I put it up. Uh, but yeah, I was so glad about winning that that prize. That's uh, well the best done, prize man. in my book. You've got a beautiful army. Thanks. Yeah, it, there definitely was tough competition on the day. Um, there, there, uh, well, because a couple of players had basically joined the tournament just to paint army. So you know, when your when your whole reason for going is, well, I've got, I really want to paint this army, and this is the reason I'm going to do it. Um, you know, there was a lot of time that's been put in, um, and I only. I got the guy from Rogues Gaming Mark to collect the votes for best painted while I was doing most sporting. So I only glanced at the tally he had made. Um, but Nicholas was at least four votes ahead of the, the next player. So it just goes to show he did a really good job. And also uh, that people were really impressed just that Kislev was, was even there, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had this like voice in the back of my mind saying like, People only vote for you from nostalgia. You only have good-looking yeah. models. That's it. It's like, oh. <laughs> but, but yeah, like no, you did having Kislev. Just having Kislev was like, like a big bonus. It was really a lot of fun just getting the army there and just having people like, holy shit, Kislev? Have you ever seen Kislev before? Like, no, not even back in sixth edition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and also like you put so much effort into. I mean, it wasn't like, but there's the models and I've painted them. It was, there's the models and I've painted them. And I've put in lots of effort to make this as feel as Kislev as possible, like with all the Ks on the shield and shields and the characters were really well done because um, he did conversions for his characters, or at least one of them was a conversion. Um, yeah, so it was, it was really well done. And the, the, the guy, uh, well, Shaky Territory, I think the guy who was second um, had a Chaos Mortals army uh, that was really beautifully painted as well. And he had done lots of kind of freehand on his banners, uh, which looked really beautiful. Um, and, yeah. his, and his knights and stuff looked really impressive. Like the way he'd done, he'd managed to do multicolored kind of swirls on the Chaos armor. Yeah, uh, very psychedelic it, army. It's really cool. Yeah, it was like, wow, this is straight off the Chaos waist. And it didn't look tacky because usually when people try and do like a multicolored swirl, it can end up going horribly wrong and it just looked like a mess. And it looked really, really good. Um, and I think he was second on Best Painted, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, but, okay. uh, I only, yeah. I came up yeah, to him like afterwards, like yeah, I kind of feel like I stole your award because he, he he's a better artist than me. Like he he can paint colors better than me for sure. But uh, like Hugo said, that, like yeah, it's like better painted, but that the Kiss of Army just feels more Warhammer. -y, I guess to voted for that. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, an amazing army, and yeah, I told him it's just beautiful yeah it was good it was yeah there, and there was a couple of others that were really good as well um they're, they're definitely putting a lot of effort and then uh we did most sporting and this was i think the, the most surprising thing i was expecting most sporting to be like oh yeah you always get a few people who are really nice so maybe like two or three people and maybe there'll be a draw amongst those two or three people 
because um, they get like three or four votes each or something. Uh, but in the end, there was six people with two votes each. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. Um, so I just rolled a dice. And uh, the guy, the ogre player, Wes, who's um, a really young player. He's uh, maybe about 22 years old. So he didn't even play sixth edition um, back in the day. Uh, he he uh, won most sporting and, um, and a well-deserved most sporting at that. So I think it just showed that there were so many people there who were really, really nice that uh, so many people got votes for most sporting and it was really, it really split the kind of field. Yeah. 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 I think that's pretty telling about you guys having a really good community on there. I mean, everybody feeling welcoming and a nice spread of votes sure is an indicative of people getting along. Mm. I've just got two questions for you, Joe. Yeah. The first one is, did Niklas now, by proxy and extension, give the podcast or the entirety of Sweden a bad reputation as whack winners, like win-at-all-cost players? (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I've played Niklas a few times, and he's he's usually quite gracious in... uh, in how he plays in terms of if you make a mistake or something, he'll usually like let you, uh, you know, if you forget something, he'll let you go back at least one phase maybe. Um, so he's usually quite a gracious phase, not like someone who goes, ah, you said it was the shooting phase now, uh, even though you haven't shot anything, it's still the shooting phase. You can't, you know, do another magic spell. Um, so yeah, um, maybe um, uh, he definitely isn't a win at all cost player. Um, but it, that's not to say he's not competitive, because he definitely is. So, yeah. Oh, oh, the rest of us know all about that, don't we, just, Jens? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, no, I think there was uh, one downer, actually, and I feel really bad because you've invited me on the show. Uh, Nicholas had given me a roll of stickers of the, the Old World Lives stickers um, to hand out. And uh, in the chaos in the morning when I had that phone call and the guy was like, a car's crashed into my house. Um, I was just running around grabbing stuff and I totally forgot to bring them. And so I had to... Well, that is a, a reasonable excuse for you as well. That I think so, yeah. I called you and says that a car has ran into his house. That's a decent excuse to, to forget some stuff. Yeah. I also just to expound on that, like... As I woke up from arranging a tournament, reviving a dead game in an edition that hasn't been around for two decades, I forgot your stickers at home while literally drawing new life into a world since long forgotten. I'm really sorry about the invisible Swedish people. I know, I know, but I I had all these things. I also forgot I printed out the scenarios because I didn't want people to be flicking through the rule books, and I forgot my scenario printouts as well. So, you know, those are the two things I forgot to bring, um, but gladly it didn't ruin the day. Um, but I, I have been giving shout-outs on the, on the event to The Old World Lives because this is a really good podcast, and you guys are talking about 6th edition, so, you know, I'm always going to be up for hearing about that. So, yeah. Yeah, so it was a it was a great event, and also like the great thing about it is that it's kind of started up. Uh, other people wanted to throw events because like after this, I've seen like three other guys talking about hosting six edition events. Ooh, it's yeah. spreading. It is. Uh, one of them is definitely going to take place in York, uh, or as Nicholas would say, or as all you would say, Jorvik, of course. <laughs> Um, to which uh, the Saxon in me says, F a witch. I bet there we go. 
Um, and uh, and uh, so one's going to take place there, and then the um, the guys from the Midlands are going to do a tournament, I think, in Bedford. Um, so there's another one. And then I've just seen on Facebook, like an hour ago, someone else from the tournament is thinking of doing one in Surrey, which is just south of London. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, lots, lots going on. Yeah, yeah, I'm super keen on going to, to all of those. Uh, especially the one in south of London, because it's like... Still in London, I don't, I don't know. I can take the tube there, but like it's, it's really easy to just get anywhere in London, even oh. to your event, which is like an hour. It was an hour and a half away of just going on the tube on a straight line, uh, which is is crazy. That's still considered to be the same city. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh yes, Niklas, tell me, tell me about the sweet, sweet deliciousness of living in the capital of a country, something you always <laughs> eschewed and mocked. Isn't it beautiful? Having collective transportation, being within stones throw of everything, and just going around. Don't you feel a bit better than everyone else living in England? The best thing is that the best thing is that I can uh, just talk more shit about Stockholm now because uh, I don't like Stockholm still, but also I live in a bigger city than Stockholm. Uh, yeah, but we <laughs> well, live in yeah. Europe. <laughs> so we didn't. Ha- we didn't have. A, we didn't have to have two popular votes to realize that we like being in Europe. <laughs> oh, we've been, uh, we've I better been, not say anything. <laughs> we've been fake neutral through two world wars, just selling chocolate and weapons to everyone, and now we're just sitting around being smug. It's working out pretty great for so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Got a lot so, to answer for as well. <laughs> <laughs> no, just one final thing, Joe. And again, thanks for coming on. And it's great to hear about where you're reinvigorating the Sex Edition community. I'm just wondering, what would be your advice, like a lessons learned from having this event? If someone in Sweden or Denmark or France or Germany or England or the colonies, whatever it's called, would like to host an event, what would be your like number one tip? Yeah, okay. Uh, I've got a few. Um, number one, I think, is try and find someone who can um, help you on the day. So it would have been great if I had had someone on the day who could have been that player of last resort, and then I could have managed the day myself a lot better because I wouldn't have been playing. So that was kind of the, the number one thing. Like, definitely get someone else to be player of last resort. So if there's an odd number of players because cars crash, then... Um, yeah, uh, you don't have to try and do all things at once. So that's the number one thing. And then other stuff, give yourself plenty of time. I mean, um, yeah, as, as Nicholas said, like it seemed to be so far away, but uh, it, it came around really quickly. Um, and giving people time to prepare for a tournament, especially if you're stipulating that everything should be painted, um, you know, it gives people time to actually get into their hobby and think about, oh, maybe I'll do a new army. I've got six months. You know, that's enough time. If I set a schedule, I can get this army painted and it'll all be ready on the day. Um, and then, you know, if it's a new army and things go wrong, they can always play with their their other army that they've already painted years ago. Um, so, yeah, give yourself lots of time to pair. And uh, uh, 
I think uh, make sure you have some fun. You know, it's it's at the end of the day, um, if you're organizing the tournament, it's not going to be really very fun if you're just uh, worried about things all the time. So you can relax a little bit um, once it once it gets going. And it obviously is helpful to uh, be able to relax if you have prepared a lot of stuff in advance. So try and be as prepared as possible. Yeah, that's the main stuff. That's good advice. Yeah, I just want to thank you for just a great event. Uh, You're welcome. It's a great tournament. A lot of other people said that yeah, it's, it's like one of the best organized event they've they've been to, and just all the the prices and everything was really nicely made, and yeah, it was great. Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, yeah, I tried. I bought a load of books for the prizes because I I realized oh I realized that being sixth edition, doing models as prizes, lots of people probably wouldn't want models they already own. And it would be really difficult to kind of get prizes that everyone was kind of wanted. So I did books for prizes, and I think that was, and they got to choose their books that way. So yeah, that was a good bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't have any further questions. Again, I mean, thank you from the community and obviously from the You're podcast welcome. as a well. whole. <laughs> I have a final question: Are you are you now planning the the next tournament, or are you going to take a break? Um, I am. Uh, well, I was going to talk maybe privately with Nicholas about uh, something because uh, he has an idea for, well, Nicholas, do you want me to say what your idea was for the next thing we're doing? Or uh, Yeah, so we were talking about like the logical step would be to escalate to just bigger points. And first, I think I suggested like, oh, let's play 2,000 points. But then Joe said that, yeah, that's basically just adding a lord. So there's... Not really a point if you're having the same army and a lord. So we're thinking two thousand four hundred points. That's a nice, nice number. Yeah. And and I suggested that it would be cool since uh, Joe had whole the idea of bringing back sixth edition. So I thought it would be cool if we kind of pushed the the main characters a bit. Uh, to just have like all the old characters from sixth edition on the table. Like oh, that there's yeah. that guy and oh that. There's that character. Oh, look, there's Balthazar Gelt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so oh, maybe... Look, it's Krell of maybe, the Black Axe. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe going down that route um, of kind of doing 2,400 with um, special characters. Uh, so that's one idea we think of. You, Nicholas, the, you also had an idea of doing a real-time tournament. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, real -time. I really want to try doing a real-time event for fantasy. Uh, preferably Albion based. Uh, I think like I kind of wanted to do it this spring, but I kind of want to wait a bit. Maybe let one of the other tournaments come around and just have people a bit more familiar with Sixth Edition before I try on this like crazy campaign concept things. So that's I'm more keen on that idea because well, uh, for a start, it's Albion. So this is the land of Albion. And uh, so that's that's one thing. But also, um, uh, when Sixth Edition came out, the first thing they did was do the Dark Shadows campaign, which is you know Shadows over Alpian. And so it really fits in with the idea of bringing back Sixth and you know uh, reliving and going through those tournaments and campaigns that we did back in Sixth Edition. So you could bring in lots of elements from the Dark Shadows campaign. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, so I'm kind of keen on that idea of doing some Albion 
based um, gaming. And uh, I haven't told Nicholas this, but um, I had a, a crazy idea, which would be to get a hall big enough and the spaces between the tables just right that you could map out the kind of general shape of Albion. Oh, that's cool. Ooh. So, so when you're so when you're moving around the main map. Uh, you know, because it's a real time, so you'll have a figure which represents your army on a main map. Uh, you then have to move your physical army, you know, to that correct part of the room where, you know, that area of the land is. So you could actually start to play your way across the room, if that makes sense. That sounds awesome. Uh, yeah. And obviously, because we'd be doing Ogram stone rings, I'd have to put together maybe five or six Stonehenge like scenery, so you could be able to you'd be able to see where the stone rings were from your board, <laughs> basically. Like head in that direction. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah, that sounds epic. All right, yeah, maybe I'll have to push this thing to be sooner. Uh, yeah, but that's definitely a thing that I, I want to. Uh, yeah, so there's just tons of stuff going on in England right now with Sixth Edition. It's awesome to see. Yeah, no, I agree with Nicholas. I think that um, maybe let some of the guys do their tournaments that are sprung out of this one and then we can uh, plan, give ourselves enough time to plan the next epic epic uh, event. There, yeah. yeah, so with that, I think we're going to head out. Let, just let people think of all these epic things coming in the future, get them hyped up. Yeah, maybe getting some ideas yeah. to try getting their own event started. Yeah, there's definitely people out there who want to play. Yes, that that was the that was the the main the main thing that started this event. Just the sheer number of players who were like, "Oh yeah, sixth edition, I'll come and do something with that." And there's so many of them. That's the, that was the main thing that was surprising. Yeah. Well, you did it, and then they came. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's been really fun. Yeah, it's been great. Altdorf Advertising Agency, the AAA is now hiring. Exciting times ahead. We represent everyone. Everything is fine citizen. Remember, Altdorf Advertising Agency, the AAA. For all your anti-Ratman propaganda needs. And next time, we will probably have a little rundown of vampire counts. I, I, I mean, yeah. people out there who might have heard that we were going to do that, to do that this episode, you should go check your ears. Yeah, honestly. I mean, I know where everyone got that foul rumor from. Until I learn how to read. <laughs> I'm just checking out 4th edition Undead, and at the back you have like a catalog of what you can buy. So why would I need to read? I can just look at pretty pictures all day long. And with that, see you in the next episode. The old world lives. And remember, be square. Oh, one last thing. Check out the lecture counts. I think they're a podcast. Yeah, that griffin has fucking magnificent balls sculpted on it. Balls and dick. Full frontal nudity. <laughs>